guys. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Fuck. But not just any episode. This is the season four finale. Woo! Oh <laughs> my God. Like, yeah. we made it. Yeah. And just briefly, you and I were talking about how this is Slightly, this finale is different from the other finales that we. Oh, oh, absolutely, gotten. absolutely. Yeah. They gave us a lighter finale because normally I leave the finale like stressed out, like I don't know what's <laughs> going on, like damn, what, what, like what? Yeah. I mean, they still gave us some ends that needs to be tied up, but for the most part, I mean, it was like really light and and happy and fun. Yeah, it was just totally different, but it felt right for but it felt for the journey right. that we've been on this season. It really felt right. It did. It did. But um yeah, I was I was happy not to be stressed out because normally I'm like I'm like girl like well, they I have had us stressed all freaking yes, season so yes, uh, we deserved God. we deserved this we did we we deserved it at uh, <laughs> who you tell her we yeah. did we deserved it in case I forget to say it later because I'm gonna make references to it the music is different depending on if you're watching the DVDs from the original soundtrack or if you're streaming it and. I had watched the original and we streamed it today. And I was like, this song is wrong. No, every song you was like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Because it was thrown off my notes. And so... Right. But anyway, so little disclaimer, just in case you're watching the streaming version and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? Just know that your music might be different. That part. All right. Well, let's do this. Okay. I'm ready. All right, so we start out and we see the Liberty Riders making some good progress yeah. on this 300-plus mile journey Big up from to Toronto to <laughs> to Pittsburgh. And that includes Brian. He's there on the ride doing well. And we see a now-married Michael and Ben, and they're having a playful little race mm-hmm. there. And here and there, we see a few people on the sides cheering them on. Emmett and Ted are riding side by side. <laughs> Hunter is enjoying himself, taking in the experience. Probably got to miss at least one or two days of school yeah, for this. Yeah, you know he's so, happy. And he needs that little break because, you know, the whole the thing with stress. Cali. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's all good. And then we're approaching the U.S. and Canadian border. And we hear Lindsay on the phone reacting to the news of Michael and Ben's marriage. <laughs> and so Melanie and Lindsay are home. Well, I'm going to say a house because the great philosopher Luther Vandross said a house ain't a, a home. house is not a home when the two of us are far apart and one of us has a broken heart. That so. part? Okay. <laughs> yeah. For real. So they're at the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they are both listening in on the call and Ben and Michael suggest that the two married couples get together. Oof. Um. Yeah. When well, they I'm, get back to celebrate. Well, I'm glad that Brian still kept his lips closed, which which is expected because we know Brian is not that type. But dang, when is Lindsay and Mel going to break the news to anybody? I mean, you would have thought that they would have already told Michael at least with him being, you know, the Mm -hmm. donor. I don't want to say father. I mean, he's the father. father, He is the father, but, you know, donor. I'm just saying, yeah. But um, you would think that he would actually be in the loop, but I mean, Or just telling the whole friend group, like, hey, things are going to be a little different. Right. Yeah. Or we're going through Rocky Patch because I'm still not going to give up on him. You know, like, I mean, it's still fresh. Yeah. You know, like, you really... I didn't broken up. Me and Brad have broken up, uh, broken up a million times when I when we first started out. So you just, yeah. you just never know. But it was still fresh. So I'm not gonna give up on on them just yet. Yeah. Well, even little Gus is on the phone trying to tell all the business. Girl, and you know he wants to ask them to have his daddy come pick him up because his moms have been tripping lately, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not sure about how he feels about this new baby. So he's like, listen. Yeah. Like, uh, something going on. Uncle Michael, yeah. get my daddy, please, ASAP. Get him on the line because he. I know he'll answer for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, Michael and Ben wrap up the call and head into the U.S. border station. 
And then we see Melanie and Lindsay, and they're commenting on same-sex marriage being legal in Canada and how someday it might happen here in the U.S. Because, of course, it's early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then they joke about gay people getting what they wished for and what makes them think they would be any better at, at marriage than straight people. And um, the only people who will profit from that are divorce lawyers. And I think it's a very clever way to address what a lot of anti-same-sex marriage people would say. Right. But it's also some fun banner between the two of them because we have not seen them be nice no, to each other. In not a while. at all. Oh, yeah. So in this scene, like I was hopeful, like we're about to get them back together right now in this moment because they're actually having a good time. Like they're both smiling. So I'm thinking in this moment, like, hey, this is a time for them to stop being stubborn and to say what they're gonna, what they need to say. Because you can tell. I mean, like. Their energy is still good. You can tell that both of them are hurting and they, they want to be be with each other, I feel like. They want to console each other. They want to be there for each other. They have a friendship. Well, you get a on, rem- reminder of what they like about each yeah, other exactly. and how you they get, work together. True. Yeah. You get that, that reminder. So, I mean, this was a good scene to finally see because these last two episodes have been rough yeah. um, with them. I mean, because normally they go through things, but they're always, they always find a way to come back together. So, to see them fighting... It's just really hard. So in this scene, with them coming together, it was like, oh, my God. It felt like, okay, this house is about to come back together, finally. Yeah. And so, like you were saying, we do see them getting along together in that fun banter between them until it gets more serious when Lindsay says that's one good thing about not being able to legally marry. They don't have to get divorced. And I think that's when we pull it back. To reality. We're at this place where we're heading in different directions. And even though they both allegedly agreed, it seems like they're a little sad that that it's so easy to end it all. You right. Know? And yes, because they don't have to go through a divorce, but also like, is it that easy to walk away from each other and from the life that we were building? Exactly. And, and that's what I was getting to. Like, they're making it seem like it's so easy just to uproot. Like, okay. Once you have this baby, I'm I'm gone. I'm out of here. That's what they decided on last episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to stick with you through the pregnancy. But you have history. You have years mm-hmm. of loving. Is it really that easy? I know you guys are making it into a joke, but stop playing. Yeah. Really, what do you really want? Yeah, and I think we mentioned last episode that Lindsay is wearing a lot of black lately, like she's in mourning. But Melanie is not wearing black, no. though, which is a bit interesting to me. It's just begging for me to overanalyze it, but... I don't have time for those shenanigans today. <laughs> I feel like the reason why she's not wearing black is because she has new life, a new beginning inside of her. Oh, see, I feel like it's because she's not quite at the place where she wants to let it go, but she doesn't want to let go of her hurt. Exactly. No, I agree to that, too. She I mean, she's reminds me so much of me, as in she's strong, and she's holding on to that hurt. She needs yeah, to... She's, very strong-willed. Yeah, she's very strong-willed, stubborn, like, like crazy. She's not going to let it go, but at the same time, she doesn't want to let her go. She's going to do some soul searching yeah. and dig deep to really see what she wants. And if that's what if that's what she really wants is is Lindsay, then baby, let your guard down. Let it go. Like yes, it happened. Let it go and get your wife because what y'all doing now is not fair to each other to and it's anybody, not fair yeah. it's not fair to anyone. Not even not even baby Gus. Right. You know, like I mean, you have to think about him as well. Yeah. On a lighter note, I also noticed a picture of Lindsay, Melanie and Brian and baby Gus in the delivery room. On the mantle there behind Melanie's Oh, girl, bed. I didn't see so, that. Yeah, a little picture posted there. Well, it's probably been cute? there for episodes, but I just happened to notice it today. <laughs> yeah. Well, over at the border station, Ben, Michael, and Hunter are going up to, I guess, get some reentry stuff. <laughs> and Ben and Michael use the same form because spouses are allowed to use one form. And they were legally married in Canada. 
So that's what they did. And also they have their son with them. And I can already tell by this guard's face that uh, this isn't going to go well or easy for them. And he tells them that the U.S. doesn't recognize same-sex marriage. And his wording is just like a light shade of rude the way he does it. And the way he says, like, this may be legal in Canada. And when you combine him calling it a this with his attitude and just like the whole aura of disgust. Just drama. And annoyance seeping through his pores. It's like, (laughs) mm, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, baby, you can kick rocks, okay? Yeah. That just, it made me so angry. Like, clearly they came, they were not, they were not rude or anything. They came in, they were happy, they were excited. You chose to be negative. You chose negativity that day. Right. Who who pissed in your Cheerios? Yeah. Like they well, came... it's probably because he knew that it was a whole bunch of... He knew of that us. this ride was yeah. coming through, mm-hmm. yeah, this day. And so he just decided... Like, yeah, like, I'm going to give any trouble I can. Because right. they probably weren't the only couple who went there and got married. You know, so I'm pretty sure... I mean, although it wasn't written in the script, I want to assume that a lot of them probably went there and yeah. did the same thing, mm-hmm. you know? And, or at least that's not the first gay couple right. to ever go through exactly. and do that. Yeah. Exactly. And he just wanted to be rude. He wanted to be that asshole who gave them the pushback. But I love how they handled the situation and how they just did what he said. But come through, young Deborah. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Yeah. Come through. Well, before we get to her, Brian is close by. And despite his personal opinions on marriage, he doesn't like this guy's tone and he says, come on, there's just a couple of crazy kids who fell in love and got hitched. Give him a break. And his tone is sugary sweet, but his eyes are anything but. Like, he can peep the homophobia and he calls it out. But he also knows that no laws are going to get changed while Period. they're standing there. Mm-mm. So he's like, okay, we can't do nothing about it. But he recognized that this guy is, is being a jerk about exactly. it. Exactly. But the guy could have actually granted it. So, I mean, granted their wish and let them back in the country. because Or just handle it a yeah, different way. And handle it a different way. Like, But they were still in Canada. Just trying to yeah. re-entry. So... To be honest, if you are still in Canada, you can take my paperwork that's from Canada and let me back into this damn country. Well, no, that's not. Officer Awful says, if you want to enter the country, you're going to have to fill out the forms as two single individuals. Like, the single individuals part was not necessary. He just could have said, hey. It's individuals. uh, Congratulations. But, you know, rules are different, you know, depending on whether you're coming or going. So, you know, do it like this. But because... The rules are the rules. And honestly, I bet I wouldn't have assumed. Like, I would have assumed that I'm subject to the rules of the country I'm entering, not the country that I'm leaving. Right. But that's just how I think. But I see how there would be some gray area that would let Ben and Michael think this was the appropriate way to fill out the form. Well, they were, yeah, they were just in love and happy and excited. And it was something new. Like, in Canada, you can fill out the one form. I see how they wanted to actually... And this was kind of like the yeah. first thing that they could do as a married couple. Exactly. Like, was like, let's do this joint form. True. But yeah. Unfortunately for Officer Awful, uh, he said all this in front of Debbie and that put her in a little mood. He asks her if she's bringing any fruit into the country. And she's like, yeah, 250 of them. <laughs> Yo, Debbie read him down. <laughs> On bicycles. <filth>. Okay. <laughs> I was so proud of that moment right there. Debbie always knows when to step right on in, okay? Mm-hmm. Because they weren't expecting her to come in. Like, I mean, she had that mama scowl on her face. Like, she yeah. was ready to give she it. She was ready and waiting for yes, it. Yes, ready yeah. and waiting. And she read his ass down for filth. And he deserved every word of it. Yeah. On her forum, she wrote that the purpose of her visit to Canada was to experience the greatest joy she's ever known, seeing her gay son marry his lover, And he tells Debbie what he tells Michael. The U.S. doesn't recognize gay marriage. 
And she says, oh, but you do recognize Britney Spears getting loaded and married one in one night and having it annulled the next morning or two total strangers getting married for a million dollars on television. That part. Yeah. And she's is that the sanctity of marriage that you're protecting? But <laughs> I like, will say, well, Debbie, speak I on feel, a dab. That part, I will say, Debbie, I feel a certain type of way. What we're not going to do, though. Is bring Miss Spears. It's bring bring Miss Spears. A little less on Miss Spears. Yeah, a little less on Miss Spears. But I see where you're going with that, though. Make that point. But you know what I'm saying? Pipe that down. Yeah. But no, for real, though. Like, we accept so many. You, we treat marriage like it's like, oh, my God, it's this, it's that. But, and, and you can't do it. Although you love each other, you can't do it. But people getting divorced left and right. Right. They're not or, treated- I mean, this is before Married at First Sight was out. Yeah. But that's a whole show now. A, a whole show, <laughs> you know? Like, like, two total strangers. Exactly. Like, we're, we're jumping through hoops and shit yeah. just to get married to, so we can have some type of normalcy, you mm-hmm. know, and feel like we're included and inclusive. But... Well, remember last episode, those guys have been together for 32 years and, and finally, they couldn't get, yeah, married, couldn't get married. And you got people who meet each other on the day of their wedding. Like, exactly. Yeah. Don't know shit about each other. Mm-hmm. And you, as if that's going to last. Right. Like, come <laughs> right. on now. Yeah. Well, Michael tries to calm her down, but Debbie is on a tear. And like, how dare they say your marriage doesn't count? If it's good enough for Canada and the Queen of England, it should be good enough for Officer Butts. <laughs> she says, <laughs> Yeah. And I agree with you, Debbie. But at the same time, this is not the place to... No, no really laws isn't. are going to be changed None. right here. Yeah. I mean, you're wasting your breath and you're stressing yourself out and, and could clearly, end up in jail. Yeah, and clearly, yeah, that's what he threatened. But clearly, this guy's just a jerk. You can yeah. see it in his whole... In his face. Like, yeah. He's but I was jerk. so surprised because I always think about Northerners being, you know, really receptive. If we're coming from Canada, clearly we're in the top. So I was like... I was really blown away. Like, dang, really? Like... You would think that if we're entering through New York and then going down to Pennsylvania, that you would have more sympathy and empathy with same-sex couples. But I guess, I guess not. Like, I was just like, wow. Yeah. Well, then we get a shot of some potential promo posters for Rage. The Kutcher version, the Feral version. Even to the side, there's a Cruise and Depp version. <laughs> I know I love me some Tom Cruise now. I do not get your thing about Tom Cruise. Girl. But I'm going to let you have let it. Let me have it. Okay. I love that <laughs> yeah. man. Okay. Side note, I don't know that Ashton would have given me what I wanted from Rage. Like, I would never want well, I, I can see what it was choosing Ashton, though, because I can, I can see, see the, stru- the face structure Brian, the look. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But I just, and not to, like, hate on his acting talent. Like, I like Ashton. He's Kutcher, too goofy. But I don't feel like he would give me what I wanted. And I'm a maybe on Colin Farrell. Go- Colin would have delivered, but Tom well, would have killed He could have. But mm, I just cannot. Tom would have killed I him. cannot do Tom, Tom in that role. would have killed I mean, although they would have to put him in some boots. They gave him a lift because he's <laughs> he too short. Some Prince Hills, yeah, he needed some Prince Hills. he some Prince Hills. But Tom would have delivered. And then don't let him have to run. Like, he was running to go chase the, the pink posse or somebody. You, you are, know? like, really obsessed with his running. It's like the fifth time. I <laughs> love that man's run. That man has a beautiful run. Don't let it be a shirt flying in the he's wind. He's a great actor, but he doesn't. He doesn't exude, I don't know. Okay, but going back to leading men in the early 2000s and keeping in mind that it probably would have been a straight actor, as unfair as that is. I know. I would consider like a Christian Bale. But now he was doing that Batman thing at the time, so. Yeah. Mm. Who would you I mean, to be, honest, he, to be honest, he would be the closest fit to Rage, for real. Like, for real, yeah. For real, he would be. But um, if I had to, if, if we could have Early go, 2000s. Yeah, if we're going to yeah. go no Tom. No time. I'm be totally Yeah, Tom. if we're going to go no time, <laughs> then 
then if we're going to go no time, the person who was dominating the early 2000s was George Clooney. I'm going with George Clooney uh, or I'm going with George Clooney or Colin Farrell because Colin is hot and I think he can get gritty. I don't think Colin would have mind. He can do gritty he because get... I remember seeing him at Alexander the Great and, you know, there's always this little oh, question about Alexander. No, baby, mm-hmm. that's, that first scene started out uh-huh. with They did a little something. <laughs> they did a little something with Alexander the Great. Uh-huh. But um, he would have got gritty and I think he would have definitely delivered for sure. But uh, I think, yeah. Uh, final answer, Colin Farrell. Okay. Okay. Well, anyway, Brett is showing all that is possible to Justin. And he had a designer do a a rendering of Rage's Lair. And it's good, but it's not quite Rage. It needs to be darker, Justin says, like sexy, not scary. And his bed should be the center in in the center and raised like an altar because Rage's sexual energy is what motivates the character and drives the action. Like Justin knows the DNA of this character. He does. I mean, he lives, breathes everything of Rage. I mean, I gave him three snaps when he was watching. You it. did. You literally gave him three snaps. I did. Like he, <laughs> he killed it because when he started describing, it, I could see it. Like, oh, dim lights. Mm-hmm. You know. Because as soon as you saw the board, you said it needs to be dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. facts. Like, I mean, and then when he started describing everything, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can start seeing it come together. You yeah. know, something sexy. Because when Justin and Brian are together, it's magical. It's yeah. something like a, a fire. Like, yeah. I don't know, like a, a good fire. <laughs> They're going to burn the city down, you know? <laughs> yeah. I like how Rage is based on Brian, of course, but a very specific aspect of, of Brian. Mm-hmm. Like, Rage is more so the legend and the, the myth. Like, Rage is not an exact replication of the man that Brian is go- growing into, but he's this idealized version of... Of certain, of certain aspects, yeah, of, of his of Brian's code and character. And for a time, sexual energy is what motivated Brian, but testicular cancer had it like <laughs> temporarily got in the way of that. And our Brian is growing. Like he's not that season two Brian anymore. Nah. And so I'm really interested to see if Rage follows that growth and how that might look for for Rage, if we get to see more of Rage. Right. Well, I think since they're only on Rage season one, he can't grow that drastically. I mean, I think he has to stay where he is on the track where he is now, and then something has to snap for him to change. Something has to happen for him to change. change. Because Because that's what happened with Brian. Exactly. That's exactly what happened with Brian. So, I mean, I think later throughout the comic, we will see a change in Rage, a little more calmness in him. But as of right now, like, we need that fire. We need that, that season one, beginning <laughs> season two, Brian, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, it'll, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see if and how he evolves, mm-hmm. that Rage, the character evolves, yeah. But Marty calls to speak to Brett regarding the last meeting they had where Justin, very respectfully and unapologetically, kind of read him, yeah. Read him down. He bodied the scene, yeah. okay? Like, well, I was like, wow. Well, Justin convinced them in that meeting, and he showed them the one thing that everyone in Hollywood fears the most, honesty. <laughs> that part. And as a result, they got a green light for the film. So Brett makes plans for them to celebrate the news and delays Justin's return flight by a day so he can soak it all in. Yeah, I mean, that was excellent news. I feel like Justin has nothing but positivity around him right now. He is so young. He got his man. He got his family and friends. And now his passion is coming to life on a major grand scale. Right. It's so neat to see how he started out. He was being there for Brian and trying to help Brian out Brian out after Brian basically went bankrupt. But then being triggered by Darren's bashing in, in 401 and 402 and then the whole Pink Posse thing and having to deal with all that stuff that surfaced in him that was triggered in him. 
And then to see him here at the end of this season to kind of have, this is his talent. This yeah. is his dream. This is something that is his life in some ways. Exactly. And to have that being celebrated and have this great opportunity in front of him. It's really interesting to see his journey that he's had this season. Yeah, and, and he's in control of it, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's still playing by his own rules. He's dealing with Hollywood execs. This is a 20-year-old who just... his story. His story. He's like, nobody knows this story like I know this no story. No one. And that's how he was able to run that room. He ran the room. I was so impressed. Mm -hmm. So impressed with Justin. I don't know why I was expecting less. I mean, Justin <laughs> has always been the cream of the crop. Like, yeah. he's always rose to the occasion. And the man is just killing it. So I, I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, and Brett is such a cheerleader for Rage. Now, true, he stands to make a lot of money off this project, but... But he believes also, in the vision. Yeah, he believes in the content of this story, I think. Mm -hmm. And also, again, there's nothing else out like this. We have Batman. We have Superman. We have all the superheroes. But there's no one telling this story. Mm -hmm. So Brett sees that. Like, this is a new avenue, a new path that we could blaze right now. You yeah. know, we, we could jump ahead of this and we could be the ones who who start Hollywood to do these type of stories. And, and telling the true gritty stories. Because it's not the little sidekicks always. I kind of I'm, I'm glad that he's a cheerleader on it. Yeah, because he's told the whole V Men story, and that's what bought him the house that he lives in. But this is a chance for him to tell because he and he loves that. He loves action stuff. He loves comics. But he is a gay man, and so this is a way for him to combine kind of both of those worlds, those parts of himself. So mm -hmm. I like that he is yeah. very much a cheerleader. He is. For. He gets to live um, his best life. He sure does. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we see the Liberty Riders on a pit stop, and Emmett has been serving looks this whole time. Girl, serving looks. <laughs> yeah. I want every look he is yes. on on that bike. It's like fitness, but make it fashion. And he takes a seat across from Ted to rest his tush and feel his belly, and he notices that Ted seems a little off when they're at this barn thing. And tomorrow is Ted's 12-step birthday. He's been in the program for six months, which I'm taking note of because that means season four has spanned six months. And uh -huh. man, have they packed in a lot in Girl, those six months. Girl, they packed in a lot yeah. in those six months. Okay. Yeah, but this is the longest that Ted has gone without a, a meeting, and he's feeling nervous, anxious, and lost. Well, this is where I get confused. Aren't they only supposed to be gone for three days? Just a couple of days, yeah. But I guess you know some people go to meetings every night. Oh, true. And so Ted was probably at that. Some people like later go once a week, but some people go every single night. Correct. And so I'm guessing Ted was probably going every night or a couple times or, a week. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, or definitely, yeah. Either way, he was going to miss what his right. normal routine was, and so he he is missing what his normal routine was. So. Yeah, he's having a... Yeah, I mean, he's he's going through. Yeah, he's having an adverse yeah, reaction he to is. that. But you know what? I'm glad that he's able to talk about it because old Ted would have internalized everything. He would have just kept it in. Yeah. Or he would have ended up mingling with the wrong crowd yeah. or, do, or doing something crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. Or but who the, even knows? Yeah, who even Because Ted went in a direction we never predicted. I'm, yeah, Girl, at all. I would have never seen this journey mm -hmm. for him. But... I'm glad that he was able to talk about it and express his concerns. He said that he was anxious. He's worried. You know, like, he misses his group. I was glad that he was able to actually form those words and, and talk about it. And I'm glad that he has Emmett there on the trip so he can talk about it. Yeah. Well, over with the rest of the gang, Debbie is still bothered by the border guard. And Michael tells her that it's just a law and it doesn't exist for them not yet. Ben has been practicing with Mysterious Maryland because he says it will. <laughs> For real. We know how Mysterious Maryland was. Yeah. Like, I mean, she on point. Yeah. Well, then Brian is there ushering in the delivery of a wedding cake, a tradition at most heterosexual suicide packs. He says, 
And this one even has two grooms on the top of it for the little cake topper. And I'm like, look at Brian being aware of the fact that his best friend might be feeling a way about Officer Awful invalidating their marriage and deciding that it should be celebrated no matter what Brian or the law thinks. They might have said this isn't a real thing. This doesn't matter. But we're going to treat it like it is true because it's real for you. And so it's real for us. Exactly. And this is this is when I say Brian never gets the points that uh, the flowers that he deserves. Right. He didn't have to do that. He noticed that and went above and beyond, you know, mm-hmm. and, and and turned it into a whole party, like a whole shindig. He celebrated his friends, although he does not believe in that. Mm-hmm. He turned them up. So I was this like, was for for his love for Michael. Yeah, and exactly. like, hey, I don't want you thinking about what that guy said. Like, let's celebrate. It. We're in the moment now. Yeah, for you know, real. and he may not think it's real, but it's real to us. And we're here, you mm-hmm. know, so I was like, go ahead, Brian. Like, yeah. I, it was a proud moment for me and Brian. I love that he gets on board with this and. This is so different from him stepping aside for so Dr. David Cameron and Michael could have a shot like back early in whatever season that was. One. In that situation, he didn't think David was a good fit. And even though he stopped interfering, he took some petty steps on his way out. But this time he stood beside Michael at his wedding. He threw confetti as they walked down the aisle. And he whipped together this impromptu wedding reception when Michael really needed it. And, girl, he must have pulled some good strings because he had the Jewish men out there playing the (laughs) Yeah, the Klesmer band. I was like, okay, come through, I mean, he has some Moet, pops the champagne, toast to the Novotny Bruckners. Yes. Yeah. Debbie says that he's the last person she ever expected to be celebrating a marriage, but... This is about his friend. Yeah, it's not about him. It ain't about what my, like, I still feel the way I feel about stuff. But this makes my best friend happy. And so I'm going to go all in on that. True. I mean, he really, he's a true best man and a true best friend. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, Ben and Michael share a first dance and then everyone joins in. But because Brian is Brian, we see him making his plans for the night via eye contact with a hunky cycler across the the circle there. Come on now, it wouldn't. He wouldn't be Brian if we didn't. Okay. Well, then we see Melanie and Lindsay making a very difficult conversation, more civilized over tea. (laughs) And Melanie is asking Lindsay where she will go, like where she's going to live, because I guess this time she's going to be the one leaving. And they recognize this whole separation will be traumatic for their whole little family, for Gus, but for the two of them as well. And I think there are situations where cohabitation is possible, but for them and where they are right now, like, I no, don't know. I don't think it's doable, feasible at the moment. They just been through too much. Uh, it was a terrible time. Things may have been different if Melanie wasn't pregnant. And the fact that you went out and found something else, especially the opposite sex. Right. Like, I mean, that's like the ultimate slap in the face, the ultimate disrespect. It's kind of hard to move on. So if if, it w- if the circumstances would have been a little differently, then maybe they would have had little grounds to talk on. But right now, I don't, like you said, the coexistence, I don't think that's going to be. Yeah. yeah. And you know, something I forgot about, um, and I think I was talking, messaging one, some of our Patreon people about this. I forgot that. Remember when Melanie was defending the case for the two women, she had to take a back seat to the male partner in her firm. And so she's already been pushed to the side because of her gender in her career. Mm -hmm. And then now in her home life, she feels that way, too. And so it's almost like that was the kindling for this fire. No, absolutely. I forgot about that, too. Yeah. And so it's like you remember that. It's like that is why Melanie is having... Uh, I mean, it would be difficult yeah. anyway, Period, but then but you put, I already had to take a backseat to a man in my, in my profession and, and I'm pregnant 
and you cheated on me, and it was with a man. Yeah. And so it's like a lot. I mean, girl, like you didn't build a brick house on top of her ass. <laughs> like, boy. When you remember all that, it's like, okay, maybe I see why she's having, and because Melanie is strong-willed, I see why she's having such a hard time moving forward yeah, with absolutely. all of this. I mean, like, that's that's a lot. Yeah. I, ooh, I forgot all about that girl. That, that definitely yeah. plays a, a major role in it. Uh-huh. Because yeah. we already know that, I mean, she lived, it's kind of like Brian, she felt successful through her work, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, it took a doctor, it took her to damn near losing no, the baby. Right. For her to I actually, mean, like, exactly. to go on bed she rest. She was going to risk everything yeah. to defend that case. And it was, even we were all like, Melanie, girl, it's Take about the, yeah. it's about the victory, not about you getting the credit. Exactly. But, to her, it was something different, and it was more than that. And I get it. And like even from click. even from the beginning, from the pilot, it's a cut scene. But the cut scene has it where she was expecting to be made partner, but she got passed over for a male in her firm, Ooh. and so that's why they ended up with all the financial junk wow. at, the, at the beginning of first one. So I'm sorry, season one. So that's why. She's always had this thing against me. You remember when Brian was gonna be sued by, by Kip, and yes. she was like, "You're, you know, you're a, you're a man, and so mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. The law is gonna be in your favor. You're a white man, and so she's always had this thing about men and masculinity. It's clicking now. And then you, and then my wife goes out and is hooking up. With yeah, me, you know? like I mean, Lizzie I didn't knew even better. mean to go on this tangent. That but part, here we but are. no, there we are. <laughs> But, I mean, that was a good little, you know what I'm saying, rebirth to a situation. Like, for real. It, it makes everything make sense. Yeah, I think. And that's, they're, they're so clever. The writers of this show are so clever in ways that I don't even fully realize yet. Right. <laughs> they put all these things in there. And now, true, I know that story still has some problematic things for a lot of people. And we've addressed that. We've addressed that before. And, you know, maybe one day we'll we'll revisit some more of that discussion. But, they really did kind of plant these seeds all and, along. And that's why it's so easy to keep binging, like how people can watch, oh, I watched the show five million times. Mm-hmm. Because I bet on every watch, you see something totally different than, I you, bet than you do. six months yeah. from now, if we, we, we're going to, and we're going to do it. We're going to rewatch yeah. certain episodes or, or the whole thing. We'll see. And we'll, you'll see something totally yeah. different than you saw the first time. I mean, uh-huh. but I mean, that's what makes the show so good because you pick up on different things every single time. Mm-hmm. Like It just goes back to the writers and the acting, but the writers are amazing. Yeah, they really are. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Like I said, I didn't mean to go on that tangent, but <laughs> it was worth it. Um, well, Lindsay gets up to go give Gus a bath, and Melanie asks her, how are we going to explain this to to him? And Lindsay says, well, we can handle it like most divorced parents in America. Wait 15 years, and he'll tell us that his parents are the reason he's so screwed up. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> that part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, Melanie grabs the teapot to put it away on her way to the bathroom for the millionth time that day. And she takes a few steps and then pauses. And then drops the pot. And that face has me a little bit worried. Yeah. I, when she dropped the pot, I knew, like, okay, <laughs> little, little Gus Jr. is on the way. Okay? Like, yeah. you're coming. Water is about to break. I was like, yeah, she finna pop. And she was looking big. Looking, It was times where it was like, damn, is she pregnant? She's not pregnant. I know, because I don't forget to put that belly on. <laughs> <laughs> but dang, they put the twin belly on her this time. I was like, yeah. okay, this baby finna weigh 20 pounds. Okay? Like... Wow. So, I mean, it was time. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, back on the ride, Emmett skips over to Ted with a little birthday gift for him. It's a map to a town that has a 12-step meeting every day at a small church. 
It's not on the route for the ride, but Emmett has spotted a trail that will allow them to veer off for the meeting and then rejoin the group further down the road. And I realize that Ted has some personal worries and concerns going on, but he's giving me that draining vibe again. (laughs) But he ultimately thanks Emmett which gives Emmett a chance to remind him that he told him he would be there for him. Right. And I mean, yeah, Ted is definitely draining for sure. But I um I commend Emmett for keeping the morale up. Anything he kind of throw he kind of throws at Ted during this time, Ted is like shooting it down or whatever the case. But Emmett is going above and beyond to make sure that he got your back like he said he did. The reason why you're here, the reason why I'm here is to make sure that you're good. I'm here to support you, whatever that is. The fact that he went and spoke to someone yeah. to find out where they can find a 12-step uh, meeting, yeah. you know, that's not even on the map. Like, you you veering <laughs> off from the natural path that you're supposed to go. Like, I mean, that's, that's a friend. Right. And then, not to mention that y'all have history. Like, I don't know if I could do it. Right. Like, I mean, that's a good ass <laughs> friend. You didn't stole from me. You didn't cheated on me. You didn't ran away. Like, I don't know. For real. I, I mean, I'm a good hearted person. I mean, but it's only damn, been six months. It's only been six months. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I just don't. I you just paid me my money that you owed me. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, it took you six months to do that. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. Big ups to Emmett. Yeah, I think Ted was expecting Emmett to underestimate how fragile he might be. And I think he thought Emmett would get distracted by other things going on around him. Because even that night that they were at the Woody's lookalike, look-alike yeah. yeah, he Emmett was going to go off with Jean-Claude. But yes. then he was like, oh, but yeah. I have my friend Ted never here mind. who needs yeah. me. Yeah. But I love seeing how patient Emmett is with him. And he could tell him, like, like he could say to him, look. You're being very ungrateful after I agreed to come on this ride with you untrained and mostly unprepared, aside right. from the fashions. But he's not doing that. <laughs> because like, he understands yeah. how important this is. He's staying the course. Yeah, exactly. Him. Staying the course. He understands how important this is. And he also knows what like what could happen. I don't think Ted could come back yeah. if it happened again. If he went down that rabbit hole again, we wouldn't see Ted. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean... It would be. I don't even think Blake could bring him back. No, you I know, think like, he'll be lost. Forever. Yeah, he'll be lost. He'll be gone. So uh, he understands the importance of. Let me just take my breath. Yeah, this ain't about thoughts. me and yeah, my feelings right now. This is yeah. It's about him. I'm just gonna do it. I'm, okay, we're gonna make this work. I'm glad he has that patience, that understanding, because yeah. he understands how important this really is and how this could affect Ted in yeah. the long run. And he wants this victory for Ted, like yeah, his he, sobriety. Exactly. He wants that for him. Because we all want it. Like, I yeah. want it for Ted. Yeah. So it's part of me. It's like, I understand why Ted is being a bitch. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I understand because, I mean, you know what you need, you know? Right. And he needed that support. So you know what you need. The fact that Emmett can say, okay, this is really important to you. Yeah. I'm going to go out here and try to get this for you. Mm-hmm. My heart just like, I think I, I cried. I cried yeah. in that scene. Like, yeah. I looked at my eyes swelled up and I cried. Yeah. Like, and some addicts will tell you six months is not very long. That's fresh. We think, okay, let's move on. Let's go. We got other stories to tell. But no. we're supposed to take this in as if it's real life in some ways. And six months is not very long. No, you can I mean, it's relax. an amazing, amazing accomplishment. But for some of them, that's not that long. No, it's not. You need it. In my line of work, I've always talked about it. I've always been around a lot of right. people who's recovering and things of that nature. I've always hired people in recovery because I want to have faith and I want to believe in you. I, I've always been in that industry. I ain't going to say always, but I've been in this industry for the uh, last couple of years. Yeah. And um, I've seen like people who are like, on eight months and then one bad night can right. take them down the exactly. wrong path. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's, then you got to start from ground zero. Like that eight months don't even matter. 
Right. You got to start from day one back in the program, you know, yeah. and and then you pray that they can get past that eight months. And we pray that they can get past that, that first day. Right. Because, I mean, it really has to be into you. So, I mean, like the fact that Emmett is, I mean, um, the fact that Ted is still like, I need my meetings. I need my support. I need to be around mm-hmm. them. I mean, I support that 100. Me too. And then that Emmett gets that. Yeah. I, I love that he gets that. Yeah. But we're back on the trail again. And. I know y'all told me that Hal Sparks said Michael had a janky bike and that's why he was unstable on like earlier in the season. Girl, he wobbly as hell. This is a whole new bike and he's still wobbly. Wobbly. I was like, don't be close (laughs) to the other riders. You're going to knock them over. Uh, He comes up beside Brian to check in with him and Brian is rethinking that second piece of wedding cake. But he says, when the love of your life marries someone else, what choice do you have but to drown your (laughs) sorrows in buttercream? I I feel you, dude. I want some. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the Brian Michael shippers can dine out on that line for days and eat your feel if that does it for you. But (laughs) I think that's just Brian being Brian. He's pretending to be all hurt, but it's his backwards way of showing that he's happy Michael is happy and going after what he wants in life. Yeah, it was cute to me. Yeah, like Brian's not going to say, hey, congratulations, I'm so proud of you. Like, I hope you have a wonderful marriage. He's, True. That's not his style. And it was also, it was like a little stab at him, like, we were supposed to be together. You know, like, <laughs> we were supposed to be together, we were going to retire together in Florida, we were going to... No, don't say that, because people are going to take it the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> not be together. Okay, yeah. But it not was just together. like... A franchise, we will always be... That was always yeah, what we said. The plan. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, oh, but I guess you chose this other life, yeah, and you like, chose so. this guy. Whatever. But, but Brian knows that that's the right, right. and good thing for, for Michael and for him. And so it's not that he is not that Michael is the love of his life. I'm sorry. That's We all know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. You don't even have to apologize. They know it's not yeah. true. Yeah. But Michael recognizes it for what it is. So he just moves forward. And he tells Brian that he can work off the cake in no time. And Brian says, yeah, because he's the man, <laughs> the self-proclaimed man. Oh, Michael is proud of him and because Brian's been doing great on the rise so far. And he's come a long way from that day when Michael was banging on the loft door after Brian went home from his first right. you know, radiation treatment. And uh, Brian says, forget the doctors and the naysayers. He's still young and gorgeous and hot. And, of course, Brian has to show off in front of Michael because he's been doing that since they were 14. <laughs> but he also has to show off in front of the hunky cycler dude from the wedding reception. So I guess they didn't get to consummate it last night. Um, <laughs> but anyway, for a minute, I thought that was Drew Boyd. <laughs> Girl, that looks... Uh, with, that hat on, with that hat on, he looked Baby, a lot that like that whole Drew. face was Drew Boyd. I was thinking, like, I, did, I don't know if you watched my face, but it kind of went up. I was like... Is that my baby? I was thinking, what, in the alternate universe? Yes. <laughs> is that my baby? Because yeah. I was like, oh, my, because, yes. I, I mean, I'm trying to get over Drew. I'm yeah. I'm trying to get over Drew. But I was like, but damn. It did kind of kind of give me Drew boy no, vibes. No, the whole face was Drew's face. Like, yeah. they, they used Drew for that scene, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, he, in trying to impress this guy, he shows Michael, because that's where he's at now. Now he's feeling more like, he's kind of feeling himself. Back to feeling Brian. back like yeah. Brian, yeah. And so he's showing Michael that he can ride with no hands. And he turns to Cruz, this hunky cycler dude, and loses control of his bike and crashes off this side of the road, coming down pretty hard on his arm. Exactly. And this is where I say, riders, y'all messed up. <laughs> because we saw Michael wobble all season long. <laughs> he been wobbling all wobbling. season. Wobbling. Okay, wobbling. And he ain't had not one crash. Brian, cool ass. You tell me, Bri- Brian, 
Natural athlete. Looking. Natural. Yeah. Okay. Because that's what I, when the scene started, I said this man was destined to be an athlete. Yeah. I mean, from the he's fashionable from the shoes to the helmet to the everything. He yeah. look, he's looking delish. Like I want to like just devour him, like ravish him. <laughs> but um, you telling me this Brian can't ride a bike with no? He was right. He came out the vagina riding a bike. You know what I'm saying? With no hands. <laughs> you trying to tell me that this man can't ride a bike with no hands and then crash yeah. like that? And we see Michael can barely pedal. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, like, that ain't yeah. cool. And he do it in front of his crush? Yeah. Hell no. Nah, that ain't even true. Well, the next thing we see is Brian sitting in the back of an ambulance with a broken clavicle. And Brian makes sure the paramedic hears his <laughs> non-subtle request for Vicodin. And as long as it's not Vicocet, because that's what they gave Teddy. And you know what journey that's in him Absolutely so, not. No Vicocet. Yeah. Well, they patch him up and tell him that they'll send him home. The ride is over for him. And you can see that Michael hates that Brian is hurt, but also that he won't be able to finish the ride because he knows right. that Brian you know, wanted to do this. How important yeah. yeah. And it sucks because Brian was starting to feel like himself again. He was believing those things about himself again, that he's young, that he's hot, that he can do anything. But vanity and gravity knocked him down again. Maybe they knocked him down, Okay. Broke, broken clavicle after race? Like, yeah. wow. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. I still can't believe it was him. <laughs> they really, it would have been better if it was Michael, for real. Not old Shaky Mikey. Yeah, Shaky Mike. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, that, that handlebar was just shaking. <laughs> and he was going slow. I know. Yeah. You're going slow, baby. God. Yeah. Well, Melanie and Lindsay are at the hospital. And Melanie is kind of freaking out, but Lindsay is calm because she's been there before. Right. And she knows... It's going to be sucky for a little yeah. while, but you're going to make it through this. Trust me, it's going to hurt. And Melanie pleads with Lindsay to stay with her and get through this. And you were so hopeful. Like, you were yeah. on the, you were literally on the edge of your seat. Well, she said stay. Yeah, she said stay. And you were yeah. like, oh, like, stay good. for what? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to see them fighting. Yeah. I don't. Like, yeah. they're going to go through it. They're going to go cutthroat. But for some reason, they always find a way to come back, you know, so yeah, we can always they've count kind on of, them. They've kind of, whether they should be or not, they've kind of been the example of the mature relationship yeah. for the gang. But that's from the outside looking in, though. True. Because clearly they're not letting a lot of people in with right. what's going on. So. Right. And and no, nothing is perfect. No yeah. situation is perfect. But yeah. I was so hopeful in that scene when she says stay. And I, and I just wanted her to say, I wanted Lindsay to ask, like, now or forever? Yeah. You know, like, that's, yeah. Uh, that's what I wanted her to say. Like, <laughs> yeah. like for how long? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I think they just talked about, they were just talking about the labor. But I think that was Lindsay's intention all along. But I'm sure it felt good for her to have Melanie ask her right. to actually stay for this. Because this is their baby. And I'm guessing Lindsay is still considering this to be her child. I don't know. They stress me Girl, out. I don't know what's up. That's why I'm like, who's going to keep the damn baby? stress the heck out of me. I really just don't know. I think I asked you, who's keeping Gus? Like, yeah. Who, who's going to have him? Gus has been raising himself this whole time. Girl, I told you that. For real. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, like, they must have sent Gus to the boarding school where we had, He with Molly. <laughs> Molly taking care yeah, of Yeah, that part. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, Melanie's family is in Florida, and she has that one local relative that she stayed with when her and Lindsay broke up right. early on. But it seems like like that relative wasn't really a fan. Um, and the Liberty Avenue gang, they're all gone yeah, on this no one's ride. There. And so they're all each other has at this point. But Lindsay proves to be a great labor partner for her. And it's good to see Melanie be able to lean on her here and for Lindsay to be the calm, stable force true. in the situation. True, because we never get to see Melanie ask Lindsay for help. 
She always wants, oh, I got it. No, I can get she up. She won't I'm ask walk. anybody. She won't ask help. anybody. So the fact that she was like, I need you. Can you help me? Can you stay? I mean, I felt like it gave Lindsay some purpose, you yeah. know? And, and and also it gave me hope. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it gave Lindsay hope. Like maybe we can. Lindsay, I feel like Lindsay just want to go with the flow. Like whatever, mail, mail, whatever you want, I'm here for it. I've tried to get back in your good graces. So whenever you're ready, you let me know. Yeah, but um, at the end of the day, she still has, she still loves her. Loves her. No matter what that love is going to morph into, she still loves her right. and wants to be there for her. Yeah. Well, the riders are setting up camp for the night, and Michael is telling Ben, Hunter, and Debbie that Brian is done for. A volunteer will have to drive him back to Pittsburgh. And I think they all have varying degrees of understanding about what all this means to Brian. But at this point, probably Debbie has more of an understanding of it than the others. Like, I think she has a little bit more more insight into right. why well, he's doing this. Yeah, exactly. She knows that he wants to be back to his normal self, mm-hmm. you know? She knows that he's struggling. and He's tired of all the nice Yeah, she tired of that. it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that's why she, she kind of kept quiet and didn't really put her two cents in, two cents in like, a normal Debbie, like, her yeah, normal Debbie self. because she knew how important this was to him. Well, Ted and Emmett are still on their sightseeing excursion. And I'm thinking they didn't tell anybody exactly where they were going because that's uh, Hunter refers to like they're just sightseeing. But I don't think anybody really knows what they're doing. Well, I mean, like it's private. It's personal, Mm -hmm. you know, so I don't think that they want to get anybody involved in that. And it's Ted, if it's Ted's story and his journey, if he wanted anyone to know, then he would have told them. So, yeah, I'm glad that they kind of just keep it like that. Like we're out. And they already know Michael's a warrior for all his great qualities. He's Mm -hmm. a warrior, just like his mom. And so they didn't want to hear all just like, let's, oh my God, you're going up by yourself? You're going into a area you don't know? Let's just avoid all the junk and yeah, let's just do it. Exactly, let's just do it. Because <laughs> this is about doing what's best for Ted, so let's just avoid all the other exactly. stuff. Yeah. Well, Michael sees something he doesn't like and brings out that stompy little shuffle that he does sometimes oh, and his dad voice. And he marches over to Brian demanding to know what he thinks he's doing because he is practicing riding his bike with one hand and... And just like that, we are back to where we started with people telling Brian what he can't do. But Brian silences both Michael and Ben with some very terse words and uh, goes back to practicing. Absolutely, he does. And I love the little look. He gave a look that was worth a million words. Uh, Michael was basically having his hand on his bike trying to stop him. And Brian looked down at the hand like, get your shit up off my bike because <laughs> yeah. I'm grown. And I'm, I'm doing con- this. Yeah, I'm going to continue to do me. I need this for me. So stop telling me what the fuck I can and cannot do. Yeah. Like you're not gonna tell me what I can and cannot do. I'm gonna to do. I'm gonna do this. Mm-hmm. I came here. I came to finish the race. I'm gonna finish the race one arm to not. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm gonna do it. It's my body. It's my life. And if I, you know, drive it into the ground, that's on me. True. <laughs> that part. Yeah. Brian was not having it. He was like for real. Yeah. Well, we see Brett and Justin at some kind of party full of rich, famous, and gorgeous people. And Brett tells Justin that he will feel right at home in those crowds in no time. And Justin does admit that it'll be tough to go back to Pittsburgh after after all of this. And Brett suggests that he stay, work in the movies. He could be an assistant art director on Rage. And getting a credit like that and a nod from Brett could secure I mean, that's a, a whole yeah, career, a career. For, for Justin. And the job would be well-deserved because Brett points out that Justin has talent, passion, ambition, and his backing. And if Justin were to take the offer, he would be there for six to eight months, depending on the film schedule. I mean, like you said, that's a, a perfect and wonderful opportunity for Justin. I mean, you're doing, it's putting you in a line of work where you want to be. And not only is it, you don't have to be one of those struggling, starving artists. Like, you're coming out the gate. You're coming out the gate on top. 
and you have the backing of a, of a Hollywood director who is well known. It's the perfect opportunity, and it falls right in line with what you're doing. Just if it wasn't for Justin, that deal would have fell all the way through. Right. Even Brett couldn't push. Brett couldn't them. save it. Yeah, yeah. No, he couldn't save it. It took Justin's honesty, mm-hmm. his passion. His talent. And that firsthand experience. Yeah, that's now, true, Connor's experience. a gay man too, but he didn't experience these things necessarily in this story because rage is really art imitating life. Correct. Correct. Without Justin, we would have never had that green light. We would have never right. had that go. So, this is a perfect opportunity for Justin. Mm-hmm. It just gets me worried. Like, if Justin does go, like, where does it leave the gang? You know, right, like, I mean, right. uh, it just gets me nervous. I know. <laughs> Well, Connor James comes over to them, and we met him in the previous episode, I believe. Yes. And they tell him that they got the green light, and he remember he said, hey, send me a script when y'all got one ready. And so they say, hey, it's going to be coming your way soon. Be on the lookout. Connor invites him back to his place after this party ends, but Brett needs to go do some gloating, so he leaves Justin and Connor to it. Girl, that look that Justin gave Connor and Connor gave Justin, I was like... Justin gets somebody. Justin gets up. Because we already know that Justin, when he messing with the strange, okay, the little tricks, he on bottom. He tops. I was like, Justin going to get some of that millionaire, that millionaire booty. Okay. I was like, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Throw it on him. Well, uh, we see Ted and Emmett, and they are well and truly lost. And I feel like this will be the two of us. And you would be like, girl, where we at? Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> and what? I would say, I don't know, girl. And you're like, Lord, we're going to die tonight. Girl, I, we would have been dead. Or I would have been crying. <laughs> I would have been praying to all, all the gods. Yeah. Okay? Like, everybody. <laughs> For protection. Yeah, and you'll be over there trying to, like, TikTok the whole journey. And well, I would be know. like, let's save the battery, maybe, on the cell phone. For real. So we could, like, maybe, I don't know, call 911. Because <laughs> I would have had to drain. We would have been on 10%. And I still would have been checking my likes. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, Lord. The first problem is that Emmett is referring to the roads as squiggles on the map. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's that's the first problem they're having. Yeah. Well, Emmett is getting a little bit fed up, and Ted is kind of having a panic attack. And he tells Emmett that he's only making things worse with everything that's going on. And I think I, if I'm Emmett, I would have grabbed my bike and my squiggly little map and took off by myself. But Emmett is better than me, and he decides that they're going to have a meeting right here, right now, among the hay and the livestock. Yeah, no, that was some quick thinking. I mean, quick thinking— and again, it goes back to just being a great friend because he understands how important this is. He's days now without his group. He's getting yeah. paranoid. He's it, anxious. He, that exactly. Yeah, ex- yeah, you're exactly right. Because that's what I re- just now I realized. Like this is almost like he's having withdrawal yeah. symptoms from his group because they said earlier in another episode, it's like he's this is his new addiction. He's addicted yeah, to his group exactly. now, and so he's experiencing all those withdrawal symptoms. He is, and he needs this. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the fact that Emmett could. I mean, because again, I mean, Emmett's a better friend than me. Yeah, okay. I grab that bike I mean, and go. He's a better friend than me. Because, like you said, I would have been on that bike. I would have been pedaling away, yeah. ringing bells to scare anything away. Okay. Yeah. But um, he realized, like, okay, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're never going to find this town. But you know what? We can be a group. Yeah. I'm your support. Let's get it together. And that's what he did. Yeah. So they do the meeting, and Emmett introduces Ted. And Ted has a few critiques about the way he's conducting this meeting, <laughs> but he eventually goes along with it. And Emmett doesn't have a birthday cake, but he does have a birthday donut. And then Ted shares that his life has turned around. He now has faith, purpose, and most of all, wonderful friends who have stood by him and helped lead him down the right road. Thank God they didn't need a map to do it. (laughs) They split the donut and and toast to his birthday. 
And, you know, Ted did work a nerve here and there, but I don't want to minimize his journey. And that's what we've been talking about. Right. He's been on this journey. And so the anxiety that he's felt and the significance of this milestone for him, I don't want to minimize that. No, because it's important that yeah. he goes through those. It's important that he gets what he needs. Yeah, everything about this is a big deal to him. And I respect that. And, you know, I want him to be a little bit nicer to Emmett, but also this is an honest portrayal of a friendship and yeah. what it's like to try to be there for a person who is on this journey to sobriety. And, you know, because it's be- not nice. It right. is not a nice road. It isn't. Right. I mean, it's gritty. It's rough. It's mean. It's hard. But if everything was easy, then, I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't know how to handle situations when they get tough. So, yeah, I mean, Emmett needed this little wake up, too, because. Emmett hasn't had to deal with anything like this. Exactly. Period. So now he sees what Blake was kind of having. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know, even in regular friendships, there are times when you might want to throw a friend into the river. But part of <laughs> learning them is a uh, part of loving them is learning to work through their prickly parts yes. as well. Yeah. Well, we are back on the road again, and Michael keeps looking back to check on Brian because he's there riding one-handed. And he's going, but it's very slow and slightly unsteady. And Brian, yeah, because he didn't pop them on them um, Vicodins. <laughs> he on them Vicodins. Yeah, yeah, he didn't pop it. Yeah. Well, he's at the end of the pack, and it looks like he's the only person on the road. And I feel like that's because he's doing this for himself. Like, this is about him. That's like, what the symbolism was. Yeah, he's responsible. Like, he's responsible for $100,000 being contributed to this whole thing. So, of course, I'm not saying he doesn't care about the, the Liberty House. But he's doing this ride. Yeah, but for this himself. was a self journey. Yeah, I mean, he got the hundred thousand for the Liberty House. That, yeah. that that was that. Right. But this ride, like he didn't have to go on this ride. He raised the money, so he didn't have to go. But this is something for him. Like he's yeah. grabbed this victory when he finishes this. This letting him know that yo, you can throw me. You can throw a book. You can throw. You know, say anything at me, and I'm gonna overcome it. Like this is what he needed to know that he was strong enough to overcome everything. So yeah, like the doctors and the doubters may have spurred him into action, but this is. For him. Like, yes. He needs to believe in himself. So as Brian is writing, he's having these hallucinations. And I'm going to ask you about those in just a minute because I have a lot to say about those. And I want to hear what you have to say also. He sees himself standing off to the side of the road, his arms crossed. And he kind of shakes out of that vision. And just a bit further up the road, he sees Justin cheering him on, clapping and waving him onward. And I'm gonna tell you, your girl cried when I first saw that. Yes, no, like, that was so. That was such a good moment because, yeah. I mean, him. I took it him seeing himself as like, "What are you doing? Uh, okay, are are you already out of this? Like mm-hmm. you're done?" Because Brian is his worst critic. You he know? sure is. So it was really hard. But then when you see Justin, it's like that's my biggest supporter. I have something to. Because if Justin was really on that ride with him, he it wouldn't have been Michael. It would have been Justin who was looking back, you know, mm-hmm. who would have been right by his side, who would have been pushing yeah. him and making sure he made every stride and made it to every checkpoint. So to see that he envisioned his support system there with him, I mean, that that was like, I, I said, oh, my God, I got extremely <laughs> happy. And then they didn't just show Justin's face. Like, Justin was happy. He was jumping. Like, go. You got yeah. this. Encouraging. It was a sign that, hey, I love this guy, you mm-hmm. know. Also, this is my biggest supporter. Mm-hmm. And if he was here, he'll be right here with me, mm-hmm. you know. Like, I got to do this. I'm going to push through for me and to push through for Justin. I got I have something to live for. I have a purpose. That's the way I took it. Well, I'm going to say that same thing in a thousand words instead of a <laughs> hundred in just a minute. <laughs> but anyway, there's this look that crosses Brian's face when he sees Justin. It's, it's very brief, and it can be interpreted in several ways. But to me, it's like 
he has an epiphany. And yeah. like I said, I'll, I'll, it's kind of what you're saying, and I'll have more words on it later. Uh, and then we see Michael coming down the hill to ride alongside Brian, and we'll get to that too. But I'm going to back up <laughs> because <laughs> I want to kind of talk about what you were saying. I think I saw it the exact same way. I think the hallucination, Brian, is judging him. Like you can see that negativity yeah. all over him. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think you're doing? What is this going to prove? Like, dude, accept it. You're not 21 anymore. Right. You are old, diseased, and imperfect. It's the physical embodiment of all of those self-doubts, all of that self-loathing. And to borrow from the song, like the image that is the song that is playing in the original version, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Because the song is is called um, Wonderful Life. So look up the lyrics. But anyway, to borrow from that song, the image is projecting those things that make him run behind the image of the Brian Kenny persona. And when you see Brian try to shake those thoughts out of his head, that's because that's what he's always told himself. And that's those are the things that tell, hey, you should just stop. Yeah. What is this all about? But and they are close to getting through because he's tired and he's weak and he's hurt. And then there's Justin. That's the sunshine. Yes, exactly. He is the sunshine to chase those dark clouds away. And he's smiling and wildly rooting for him and. I don't think it's too much of a stretch of his imagination to envision that response from Justin because that's what Justin did he, for him. And, he, and if he was there, it would have been the he exact would be same doing like, thing. The night he followed him to the cycling studio, he told him he could do it, that he would be a big, fat success, that he wouldn't fail. And he says something else that I think fits here. When attaining one's goal, it's best to visualize and vis- it. And there it is. Yeah. And he visualized it. Yeah. And so that's what he does. He visualizes not just Justin cheering him on. But him being the man that Justin believes he is, you know, the one that can do anything he sets his mind to, the one who can be a great father to Gus, yeah. who can be worthy of love even when he's imperfect, yes. and the one who can bike 350 miles. Yes. Like Brian, After surgery and radiation. Exactly. Okay. And with a broken crown with clavicle. The, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, Brian had claimed he was the man earlier in this episode, right before he broke his clavicle. But <laughs> judging by the hallucination of himself, that was a, a kind of a shallow a belief yeah, that was mm-hmm. not bulletproof. But when Justin tells him that, he believes it. And he trusts Justin's opinion of him when he can't trust his own. And Justin's opinion is starting to hold more weight than Brian's own opinion. Absolutely. Which is huge because we know how much Brian has struggled with self-loathing. But because Justin believes in Brian, Brian can believe in himself. I said since day one, Brian is an onion. I feel like we have gotten down to the sweet part. Yes, no, no, we have. Like, we, we have peeled we have, yeah. and peeled and peeled. We have one more layer. We have one more season. We have one more layer to go. That's it. But for the most part, I mean, he has let Justin in. What Justin thinks and says, it really it has some weight. It means something. So yeah. Justin has never bullshitted him at all. Yeah. He's always kept it 100. He's always encouraged him, always pushing to be better or, or challenged him. Everybody always let Brian, oh, that's Brian. We're going to let Brian do what he said. Yeah. Justin never said, oh, that's Brian. Yeah, he I'm never settled for yeah, that. never settled. That version of him exactly. that exists in a box. Yeah. And that's why Brian loves him because Justin is not the normal. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's the type of person who's a self-thinker. He's a doer. He's a leader. And to be so young and to and to force Brian into that, like, I mean, that just speaks volumes. Yeah. You know, 106 is one. I have, like, okay, so we're probably up to, like, episode 74. So I have probably 73 favorite episodes. <laughs> but 106 is one of my favorite episodes. And that's when Brian buys Justin's drawing of him from the yes. art, you know, the show mm-hmm. at the, the GLC. And because in that one, in the last scene, 
Brian's mind is focused on that drawing while he's in bed with another guy. And I love that scene because it's one of the first times that Brian starts to see himself as Justin sees him. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how Justin is what he thinks I am. This is what he thinks I look like and what he thinks about me. And that was one of the first times that he kind of entertained that. And here we're getting to see that again and in a much more vivid way. Like, Brian has always boasted a confidence, but all the bragging and occasional exaggeration, you know, exaggerated stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were just hiding his insecurities and what he really thinks about himself. And so since being diagnosed with cancer and, and all of that, everything that he's valued about himself has come under attack. But Justin's faith in him and love for him mm-hmm. inspires him to keep going and to keep trying. Yep. And far be it from Brian to be the one who proves Justin wrong and, <laughs> and who destroys his faith in him. So he keeps peddling and he dares to try to be the man that Justin tells him that he is. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone ever wondered if Brian, what Brian gets out of this relationship with Justin, like here's an exhibit A. Right. <laughs> he okay. gives him strength to go on and he gives him a sense of self-worth because of his faith in him. Yes. Among not many other things. Does, not, not that he can buy him or do anything because we already know that Brian is the money back. It's the emotional that, that Justin can yeah. bring out of Brian or <laughs> or make him feel that extra confidence. You can be confident within yourself, but when someone believes in you as strong as Justin yeah. believes in him, I mean, it's just, it's a different feel, you and know? And sees you as, as this man who is far greater yes. than you see yourself exactly. as. And he, got to, he gets to see your flaws. He knows that you're not right. perfect. Right, and so he's but like, he still it's not a fake. His... I'm not thinking you're a superhero because you're not. Exactly. But I still see you as this man that's... 10 feet tall. Exactly. Yeah. And we learn all of this without Brian having to say a word, just allowing us a moment, momentary access into in his, his psyche. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, the song playing in the original version is called Wonderful Life, like I said. And the lyrics are talking about sunshine. Even the song in the beginning in the original version is about sunshine. Really? Yeah. In fact, that song is called Sunshine. The Shut first up. song. <laughs> yeah. And... This one says, I'm standing up straight in the sunshine. So that's what it's like. Everything is on yeah. full display. All of my perfections and imperfections, they're on full display in the sunshine here. And maybe it's a coincidence that the song is saying the sun's in your eyes as Brian is looking at hologram Justin, but me thinks not. <laughs> so, and actually in the script, the hallucinations were added later. And I think that's to make it super obvious to us who has been Brian's motivation this whole journey? Like, right. He might have had this goal in mind, but I'm going to say, and you can take it or leave it, that Justin was the motivation from the time he decided to, op- to have the operation all the way up until now. No, and I think we already discussed this before. Yeah. Yes, we know that Brian ha- chose life because of Justin. Your, our opinion, I'm sorry. Yes. Our opinion, that's what we already discussed. It, so, well, yeah. It's written to go in that direction. Yeah. yeah. But, but exactly, though. So, I mean... I take it. I'm taking it. I'm, yeah. I'm biting everything that you're serving me right now. <laughs> everything. Yeah. Well, back to the scene. Michael comes back uh, to be there for his friend, which I expected him to do. And I love Michael in this scene, by the way. Yeah. Like, I didn't know who that was um, looking back. I mean, I guess I could have looked at the jacket because he didn't change it. But the fact that Michael was there. I mean, he's a newlywed. He didn't have to be back there with Brian. I already told your ass not to do this anyway. Yeah. You want to go anyway. So, you know what? You, you, you do it by yourself. You know but, that he was like heavy sighing and huffy, and Ben was like, "Look, Michael, just go." Yeah, okay, exactly. You get on my nerves. That part, but <laughs> the fact that I mean Michael was there, it it's Michael got there and was still was annoying. 
that Brian got him together really quickly, you know? Yeah. he Like I said, he comes back for his friend, and he knows that Brian is determined to do this for a reason that he still doesn't understand. Right now, he's probably thinking it's pride. Yeah. But then he took a step back. He he can't stop caring and worrying about his friend. He's, he's been doing that since they were 14. Exactly. And... So of course he's gonna he's gonna come back and do this. And something you pointed out that I didn't notice initially, where they stop, where Brian stops because he needs the to cemetery. take a little break. That the cemetery, mm-hmm. and that of course is very symbolic. Yeah. It's like, hey, are you gonna give Live up and just lay yeah. down and die, mm-hmm. or are you gonna keep going? Yeah, exactly. Because you know? I was like, oh, that's the wrong spot. And to so stop. we <laughs> see him taking a break right there and just kind of frozen in that moment at that fork in the road almost. And Michael says, okay, that's it, it's over. And Brian tries to send him back to his husband, but Michael isn't going to leave him alone. So Brian pulls out a cigarette. And I kind of wonder if that's his way of just hiding just how physically worn out he is. Like, he's not just going to stand there slumped over, sucking in air when Michael is threatening to have someone drive him home right. so he can just pretend I'm having a little, <laughs> little smoke True. break. Or if it's like a I'm having one last smoke sort of thing, kind of connected to the cemetery deal. But I don't know. Y'all know I like to overthink stuff. So true. But at the same time, we all know, everybody knows, cigarettes are anxiety cures. You yeah. Know? Like, I mean, the nerves man, were getting yeah. He's all in his head. All Clearly, in his head. he's having those little hallucinations. Yep. And he needs to clear his head. And also, Michael been knowing Brian his entire life, basically. Mm-hmm. He knows that cigarette, because we, we rarely see Brian smoke unless he's done having sex. That's when he grabs a cigarette. Or if he's stressed out. Or he's, so, or he's deep in thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's when, he, that's when he's getting it. So... Clearly, him smoking is something going on. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> Michael can read between the lines. Yeah. He knows what's going on. That's why he shut the hell up. Yeah. Well, Michael does want to know why he's doing this. Like, is it to show everyone what a hero you are? That the great Kenny can cross the finish line with one arm tied behind his back? In Corre- front of his Correction. Yeah. Back. In front of his back. <laughs> yeah. And Michael says, you've already proven yourself. You raised $100,000 for the hospice. What more do you have to do? But this isn't about the money. And Brian is kind of struggling to light his cigarette and Michael tries to help and Brian shrugs him off like, I, I can do it. And he's not just talking about no, lighting but, but the cigarette. That should have been the clue right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I always read subtext, you know. Mm-hmm. I can see what you're trying to say to me without even saying a word. And I feel like Michael is just so, so involved. Sometimes he, he misses a lot. Like, he doesn't catch the mm-hmm. little cues that, mm-hmm. that Brian is giving him. Like, this is your best friend. You should be able to pick those up. But, that, but like, he is still learning to see Brian as more weak. than... As weak, but also as more than what I feel like he had Brian in a very small box in season one. Right. And so over the seasons, as Brian has grown, Michael has had to adjust adjust and realize and accept that growth, too. Right. Yeah. Brian tells him about a story on TV about these women who had cancer and they went to a boot camp that required them to do all these crazy feats like climbing over walls and crawling through mud and Brian was watching Brian says as he was watching it he was thinking don't these women have enough stuff to deal with and then one of them comes out of a swamp filled with sharks he says (laughs) sure and she's laughing and saying if I can survive this I can survive anything in other words if I can survive all of these obstacles I can survive cancer and I think that's what Brian needed to know for himself. Like, not because the odds said it, not because the odds said, hey, you got a 99% chance of survival, not because the doctor said it. He needed to be able to convince himself it was true. Like, Brian's always been about action and tangible proof of things. True. And this is how he was going about getting that tangible proof, by surviving this ride. And I like that this is the reference that Brian uses. I like that it was specifically women. 
knowing the relationships that Brian has with the different women in his life, I like that it was a, a group of strong women who inspired him in this way. When he said, when he gave this story, my mind automatically went somewhere else. It was um, a quote from a movie. And it said, um, it was talking about the lotus flower and how the lotus flower grows in thick mud. Mm-hmm. And the thicker the mud and soil, the more beautiful the flower is. And I feel like it's kind of like Brian right now. He's that flower. He's in the mud and thickness. Either you can you can die or whatever, or you can blossom and grow. And I feel like his mud is getting thicker. Like, I mean, he already he's fighting against cancer. He has all these self-doubts. The doctor didn't tell him that he was going to be 100% done. You know, like, yeah. oh, we don't see well, it right he now. Said, we can't promise yeah, it won't we can't come promise back. It. Exactly. So he still has those doubts. Then he has to doubt himself because he went from being perfect to imperfect in his eyes. And then he's a broken arm, a lot going on. So to me, he's like this lotus. Like the mud is all these problems. And it's thick. It's thick, thick, thick. But Brian is just rising. He's blossoming. He's blooming. He's not letting anything stop him. So I think that's where, that's where I went with that, okay. with that yeah. story. Like, I don't know. He's, he's going to be this beautiful lotus flower when he comes out of this. And that, that's where I was at with this story. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it took me there, but it did. Yeah. Hey, all these stories take us all wherever. <laughs> you know, whatever makes sense for us. Well, Michael may or may not fully get what Brian is saying, but if it's reason enough for Brian, it's reason enough for him. And I think that's similar to the last episode when Michael wanted to do something Brian didn't understand by getting married, but it made Michael happy. And so Brian was like, okay, if it makes you happy, then I'm I'm good with that. Right. And so then Michael says, all right, come on. Yeah. And, and for Brian's part, he lets Michael be there because Brian has been humbled by a lot lately and he's getting better about accepting help when it's offered to him, admitting even without words that he occasionally needs help, and more importantly, that he wants it. Right. And I think here we also find out that underneath the emotions and thoughts Brian has had about his cancer, radiation, and recovery, there was a bit of fear. And I think that was never really focused on, but it seems like there was a part of him that needed needed to know, if I can survive this, I can survive anything. Correct. Be- and there was a part of him that needed to try that, try that out. Like, yes, he's doing much better, but the doctor says... Like we said earlier, there's no guarantee it won't return in a month or in a year. And so he be- he could become this prisoner to that fear without something telling him he can beat this. Mm-hmm. I love that they leave this area where that cemetery was. Like, he's not dead. He's no. not dying. He's living. He keeps going. Yeah, he's going to yeah. keep going. He chooses to keep fighting, keep pedaling. And they're going uphill, which means it's a battle. You know, yeah. he's got one arm. He's, pedal- he's pedaling uphill, mm-hmm. you know, so. But he's got his, a friend on his side. Next to him. And he's got his sunshine yes, in his mind. Exactly. Motivating him and cheering him on. That part. So, so it's like, let's it, do this. It's not going to be easy, <laughs> but you can do it, you yeah. know. And uh, that's that's what I took from that as well. So. Yeah. Okay. One thing. What is this loincloth they have wrapped around him? Like, Girl, ain't I don't no know. way that's offering no support. None at all. <laughs> period. Okay. Like, I was like, damn, Canada. Maybe that's why they got the free, the free, the free healthcare. That's what the free healthcare gets you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. Like, well, I'll settle for over I'm here. I'm going to keep paying yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep paying my insurance, but I'm good. Yeah. I don't want that. Like, you, you patched up, you're good to go. No, he is not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you he mean? Has cheese cloth wrapped around him. Good. Yeah, that's what not going to do hell? it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then we see Justin, and he looks to be doing the walk of shame back into Brett's house. And he just about sinks over to the guest house, but Brett is up already, and he wants to know if Connor took good care of him. He also wants to know if Brian knows about his extramarital activities. Well, Justin tells him we're not married. Brian detests marriage, and Brett finds that to be a unique position since every gay couple seems to want to say I do. 
But Justin says he and Brian would rather say, I don't. That way they can be together because they want to be, not because they have to be, which has been true for them since early season two. Even that little blip known as the Ian saga. (laughs) That was further proof. Like they were at a place where the relationship wasn't working for them. And so they made it. They had a choice. Yeah. And they, the you know, in an option. And then, you know, Justin chose to get out. Right. But I really like their approach to their relationship, though. And I, I think it makes sense for the two of them. Like Brian can know that neither of them are trapped here because that's one of his fears. Yeah. And Justin can know that every day they are together is because they choose. They are they choosing want. it. It's like we want this. OK, if I'm here it's because I want it. Brian's is because Brian wants it. He wants to come. To come home to right. me or whatever, mm-hmm. be with me. Because he doesn't so, have to. He yeah, chooses to, mm-hmm. to come to me. And choice is so much better than obligation when Absolutely. it comes to love and relationships. That's what I always say. Like, I would rather be, I would want to be wanted than needed. Yeah. Because some people will be with you because they need you, mm-hmm. you know. But the fact that you want me and you don't need me, so you choose me, I mean, it's a much better feeling. Yeah. Well, it's time for Justin to go. And there's a car waiting waiting to take him to the airport. But before he leaves, he tells Brett that he thought about his offer and he's he really appreciates it and he wants to do it. He's going to come back, he says. I'm happy because I think Brian would support that as well. You know, although he made this decision without Brian, Brian would never stifle Brian, um, Justin's creativity or career or anything that he has going that's pushing him forward, that's propelling him mm-hmm. in the direction that he needs to be pushed. So, um. I was happy because I just knew he was going to say, well, unfortunately, I can't. I have to stay in Pittsburgh because, you yeah. know, something. Well, Justin's like 20. Yeah, I know. Everything that he's been seeing, he's not losing himself to it because Justin has matured a lot. He he's was been al- through a lot. He was already pretty mature, but he's been through a lot. Like, remember the whole go-go yeah. dancing days? Oh, so I couldn't stand he has, he has learned some hard lessons the hard way. So I don't think he's losing himself in this lifestyle, but he does. It's got to be attractive and appealing and to have a job on your project. Already? <laughs> yeah, like, I totally see why he's entertaining that. Yeah, well, I'm glad he did, though, because I was about to say, Justin, don't ruin this. Don't <laughs> do it. Well, Emmett and Ted are walking their bikes. They had a very rough night. Ted ended up having to be Emmett's literal support because the ground was too lumpy for him to sleep on. <laughs> the rough night was followed by a rough morning, so they are both a little testy. Okay, Emmett's gonna throw that shit back yeah, now. Emmett's like, I yeah, had enough of your Emmett shit. Emmett is snappy now, yeah. and Ted is being very sarcastic, but Emmett pulls them back together and braces himself for more of Ted's insensitive remarks, and Ted apologizes and commends Emmett for being a great support. He tells them if they truly are hopelessly lost, and he doesn't survive the elements that Emmett has his permission to eat him. And <laughs> Emmett says, oh, that's the most generous thing anyone has ever, you know, any person has ever said to another. But just before they have to descend into cannibalism, they find a highway. And then the rest of the Liberty Ride. Which means they were really in first place. Yeah, they okay. were. They were I would give them a bike real quick. Yes, real quick. <laughs> when I saw everybody, I was like, yeah. why are y'all waiting? Yeah. Well, even though they didn't know it, they've been on the right road all along. Yes, and that was the key right there. Yeah. Like, they got their friendships back together. Uh-huh. They literally, like Emmett went above and beyond to make sure Ted was good. I mean, they're on the right track. Yeah. They're back on the right road of recovery, right road for their friendship recovery. I mean, everything. That, that statement could mean a million different different things i was like that's the key right there for sure it definitely relates to the path of healing in their friendship and because there really are no maps for for that for what Mm -hmm. they went through there was deep hurt and betrayal and regret and they moved from being friends to lovers and at that point going back to friends after just an amicable breakup would have been tricky enough but 
then they had all this other stuff. And so, but they found their way and good intentions and mutual desire to move forward helped push them forward in the right direction. So they really were on the right road all along. And as Oh Happy Day plays, we reach the finish line. Well, Uh -uh. some of the riders do. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Debbie is there passing out juice and Emmett and Ted come across and they have a very sweet embrace. And Debbie says, welcome home. And I'm all about assuming everything has a double meaning today. When she says, welcome home, of course, they're back to Pittsburgh. Right. I think it's welcome. Like, hey, you guys are back. Yes. To where, you know. Exactly. Uh, uh, back to where, where you started. Oh, Debbie sees Justin and beckons him over saying, here's a little bit of sunshine straight from Hollywood. And Justin is sorry he missed the ride, but Debbie tells him that he made it for the best part, the big finish. Justin finds out that Brian did go on the ride and that he had a little injury. And so he's immediately worried. And I can't decide if he's thinking this is why I can't leave him unattended or <laughs> I got to get back on the plane and get out of here because I need a little vacation right. because this man is stressing me out. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, he just got him healthy over one thing and here's yeah, another. And then here's another. I mean, like, well, I'm glad they didn't worry him, you know, yeah. while he was out doing his thing because that right. would have been a buzzkill. He would have been on that plane. He would have never stayed the last night and, right. and, and enjoyed the He wouldn't the have success. been able to focus on his no. thing. Well, then Brian would have been upset at them for worrying exactly. Justin. It would have just been a nightmare. Yeah, it would have been a nightmare for all parties involved. Mm-hmm. Involved, But I would have felt really shitty for Justin, though, because he is young. He's getting to experience something that, I mean, they all have great things going on. Look at Emmett and Ted, mm-hmm. how they recovered that friendship on that trip, okay? Boom. Michael and Ben and Hunter, they're all yeah. a whole family. Mm-hmm. They're doing anything. We know before they even left, Debbie got engaged, you know? Yeah. Like, let Justin. Let him and, and we just discovered that Brian finally, like, I mean, he never articulates it or any of that, but we finally see that Justin is his imp- inspiration. Yeah. And now we see Justin living his best life. That would have been so devastating for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have. It would have been devastating, but I'm like... Justin gets there, though, and he go, immediately goes in protective mode when he finds out because they yeah. tell him yeah. that he's had an accident. I mean, Justin's eyes, mm-hmm. like, he didn't have to say much. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so real in the eye. The concern, mm-hmm. you know, the it's worry. It's immediately, what does Brian yeah, need? Yeah, like, where? All, like, all where the time, is it's, what does Brian need? Yeah. 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 I mean, Which it, they do that for each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it's so believable. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. No, I'm going to say it again. Their acting is impeccable. It is. Like, the yeah. emotion that's driven behind Again, I'm talking about his eyes. That was nonverbal. Like mm-hmm. the look gave everything. It was, uh, it was, it was good. Yeah. Well, Ben and Hunter cross the finish line, and Debbie hugs them, welcoming them both home. And they tell her that Michael is with Brian, and they should be here any minute. Well, much later, in many, many minutes, as in hours later, they are still waiting. Girl, who the hell standing outside <laughs> that long in the snow in the blizzard? It's coming down. Yeah. Well, Debbie is starting to worry because it has been hours and they've just about convinced themselves to go out searching when Hunter spots Michael and Brian coming around a corner and Brian is barely making it. And Justin's immediate response is to to run to him. But Debbie stops him saying, let him finish. And sure, it's only some yards, but still, it's the principle of the matter. Yeah. Like, there is a finish line. And I love Debbie. I yeah. love that she said, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Let him do it. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it goes back to she yeah. knew the importance of yeah. it, you know? I love both of their reactions. Mm-hmm. I love that Justin's was, I'm gonna go get I him. see him, yeah. he's hurt, I want to go help him. But I love that Debbie's was also, this is important to him, yes. let him do it. And it was so neither, that- so the, he, Justin wasn't wrong no, in he what wasn't. he wanted. 
But I love that he listened to yeah. what Debbie said. And also... Because he knows Brian and he knows this it, is important. Yeah, it, 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 he does. He, he needed that reassurance, you know. But he he immediately went into protector mode. Yeah. But what I love the most about the scene that it was Debbie who said that. You could expect somebody else to say it. Or Michael to yeah. be like, no, wait, we're yes, coming. exactly. <laughs> but Debbie was like, nah, let him finish. Let him do this. That was uh, that was a big moment, mm-hmm. I think, for the two of them. Although he doesn't know Debbie did that, that was a big moment for me. I yeah. was like, Debbie actually got looking out for Brian. Like, I mean, <laughs> she looks out for Brian, but she's he's the Michael to, comes first. Yeah, Michael. But... Comes first. Yeah, Michael. I'm a, when we get there, I'm yeah. gonna get on that. Okay, well, I got like five pages for us to talk about this Girl. scene, and then we'll we'll get to that. So, um, Brian is so close, but he's. About had enough. He's and given up. He stops and he slumps over his bike telling Michael, like, I can't. And Michael says, we're almost there. But Brian doesn't care about that. But then he looks up and they're waiting for him is his sunshine, the one who makes him believe in himself, the one whose opinion of Brian matters more than Brian's opinion of himself. And a few episodes ago, Justin told Brian, go do whatever you need to do for whatever reason you need to do it. He told him that I love you and I'll be here when you get back. And that was true then and it's true now. Yep. And that's enough to make Brian find the strength to go those last few yards. Like he's not going to disappoint Justin. He's going to be the big fat success Justin told him he yeah. was going to be. And Justin stands there with incredible restraint, wanting restraint. to do nothing more but go to him. Instead, he joins Ben, Hunter, and Debbie in cheering them on. And then Brian crosses the finish line and practically falls into Justin's arms. And I love that they didn't have Justin just like show up and join the ride at some point. He told Brian that he would finish. And I love that he's there waiting for Brian to do just that. Like true, he didn't know for sure that Brian went on the ride, though I doubt he's surprised that Brian did it. But it comes across as though Justin was there expecting to be right, (laughs) expecting Brian to finish. And that's why he was there. Yeah. yeah. He he got off the plane and came right there. He knew. He already knew that Brian was going to be there. I mean, come on now. I'm sure he did. Yeah, because he didn't go to the law firm. No, he, he didn't. Went, he went there, yeah. Yeah, not only was Justin right, but Brian was, was as well because Justin was there waiting for him yep. and looking at him with pride and worry and most of all love in his eyes. Yep. And he was embracing his broken and weakened body like it was the greatest treasure he's ever held. Exactly. And using all of his strength to prop Brian up when he crosses the finish line True. there. And you kind of, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, the scene in season two when Justin is still getting comfortable being around people and he's learning to walk down Liberty and, Avenue and, and again. They're, yeah, and Brian's the waiting yeah. there with his arms wide open yeah. for Justin to come to him. That's what this reminds me yeah, of. Yeah, but it's in reverse. Yeah. And now Justin doesn't miss telling Brian that he's going to kill him for doing this. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm proud of you or whatever, but I'm still mad. <laughs> and then we see Michael's crew and they are hugging him and they're all happy. And they thought maybe he went to the hospital because Lindsay called an hour ago and he's a dad. I, for- I think they forgot to say your dad again, but I know what you mean. Because oh, because Hunter. Hunter, I was like, yeah. I was, my eyes was like, what, what? <laughs> but yes, because of Hunter. But this is so important. But let's backtrack. When they first pulled up, young Deborah, okay, why, why she went to Michael first? And we know that <laughs> that Michael is only late because he was helping Brian, who had a broken clavicle, yeah. you know, and who who is already going through these things. But you run to Michael's bike first. Like, well, you know Debbie's priorities are always going to be Michael first. Oh, that made me mad. Oh, that made me mad. Like, you didn't have to, like, I mean, it's freezing out there. When they breathe and you see the damn smoke. Okay, mm-hmm. like, 
Come on. And you go to his bike first? Of course. Debbie, yeah. Debbie and Michael, of course. So (laughs) mad. Well, they they all celebrate this news of the new baby with kisses and hugs, but Brian is about to kill over, so Justin has got to deal with that mess tonight. (laughs) Um, And I'm pretty sure he's going to be, like, sweet and helpful tonight, but you just know that tomorrow he's going to be like, Give him everything. So you can can bike across the country one-handed, but you can't get up and turn the light off. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Like, give his ass the business. He gets everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, One way or another, Justin is going to have the final word on this whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Michael and Ben are at the hospital meeting his little baby. It's a girl. And contingent upon the the approval of all three parents, her name will be Jenny Rebecca. I don't love it. Girl, I don't like Uh, it. uh -uh, uh Uh-uh. I don't like it at all. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. But they didn't ask me for my opinion, so I'm going to tuck that away in my little pocket. (laughs) But I don't like it. I'm just going to zip it, click it, and kick it. Okay, kick the key away. Yeah. I kind of wish Ben was included as a parent. Especially since he and Michael are married now, but that's not the arrangement that they had set well, up. I mean, well, you don't have to it don't have to be voiced, but we already know that Michael's gonna be a part of this baby life and therefore Ben is gonna be a part, you know. So you're gonna have two moms and two daddies. Yeah. But I mean this moment wasn't for him. Like it just It wasn't. It, it wasn't, it wasn't for him. You're right. I feel like if you included him, it's like, bruh. We already know you're going to be fine. He's there as a support to yeah, Michael. Exactly. You know, yeah, and, the, and then Melanie moment. and Lindsay as his friends. So you're yeah. you're right. Okay, you're right. Uh, well, the three parents pose together and do it for the gram. And then <laughs> Ben wants to do a picture with the two happy moms, all close and snug. Girl, they was pulling teeth yeah, on that one. Like. And they, they keep it cute for the photo, but. This is supposed to be the beginning of the end for them. Yeah, exactly. No one knows. Yeah, I'm going to throw this out there and probably forget to ever come back to it. But it's interesting that there's sort of a ticking time bomb associated with both children. When Gus was born, Brian referred to Gus as like this sort of countdown. In some ways, his birth signified what should have been the end of Brian's youth and yep. the end of one phase and the start of another. Like, remember, he was in that Jeep going mm-hmm, like, tick, tick, tick. Mm-hmm. Like, those are my child's first, first words to me. And then with Jenny Rebecca, Melanie and Lindsay were supposed to just stay together until the baby was born. Yeah, And sure, they bonded and shared this moment. But as far as we know, this birth means that time is up on their relationship. Yeah. Or their whatever situation they had going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, for real. Well, over at the diner, Debbie is announcing to everyone that she is a grandma. And you just know she made Justin come down there and <laughs> draw that little menu board. Absolutely. <laughs> With all of the baby's little birth info. And Justin was like, you know what, Debbie? I'm actually tired from my flight <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Jet lag really is a thing. Yeah. And I uh, sit in the snow for hours. Waiting on Brian yeah. because he just had to yeah. do it. <laughs> I was like, you could have just got in the cab the last five, ten miles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Debbie does not care. She will announce to the world that she is a grandma. Well, Ted and Emmett are standing, not sitting at the counter. <laughs> Their bums are a little battered. And Debbie can understand Ted, but she tells Emmett that he's a disgrace to Nellie Bottoms everywhere. Thanks, Emmett. Okay, like, I'm disappointed, baby. <laughs> yeah. Okay, disappointed. Uh, Ted and Emmett do a quick debrief of the ride by swapping weight loss numbers and Ted tells Emmett that he might have been able to do the ride alone, but he'd rather have done it with his best friend. And then they fight over the cherry on their shared Sunday named after Jenny Rebecca. Jenny Rebecca. Rebecca. <laughs> yeah. I don't care how many times you say it. I ain't no, going to like it. I don't, it doesn't flow well It doesn't. Like, it's awful. <laughs> and Jennifer Rebecca doesn't sound good to me. 
I mean, I'm sorry if there's a lot of Jennifer Rebecca. If you a Jenny Rebecca, we love you. We but love you. we wouldn't name our child no, after you. We're not. We're not. You're okay. You you you're unique, baby. Okay, you unique. That's it. Well, Carl shows up and he has a oh, cute little Carl. shirt for Debbie that's more accurate than the one she's wearing. It says, I love my granddaughter. Yes, and she loves her penis. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. could be very accurate because Carl's penis is her penis. Okay, yeah. It just but depends on how you interpret exactly. the shirt. So, I mean, because I love mine. And I don't mean mine, I mean <laughs> Both Brad's. of them. Yes. <laughs> Both of the ones in your world, yeah. <laughs> well, now that she's back from the Liberty Ride and her grandbaby has been delivered, Carl wants to talk wedding plans. And he'll give her whatever kind of wedding she wants, big or small, indoor or outdoor. It's up to her, whatever she says. Well, if it's whatever she says, she says that she doesn't want a wedding. I'm pissed off. She can't marry Carl, not because she doesn't love him, but if Michael and Ben can't get married here, neither can she. She can't enjoy the rights that are not extended to her son and every beautiful gay man or woman. I mean, I stand for that. Like, Debbie, you 100, girl. You're the OG. Like, you're the OG advocate. Like, you're, you're I mean, for real. She's everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same She's time. A model ally. No, she is. But at the same time, like, damn. How many times does Carl have to be punished? You know, like, doesn't it feel like a punishment now? Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, boy, right now, snatch that ring off that finger. Yeah. Take it home back to Cartier. <laughs> get them coins. I mean, all the coins. Get all the coins. All of them. Okay, because you spent you thousands. Thousands. Get the coins back. Okay. Because I feel like he's always being punished. You know, like... I understand why she's doing it. Like, I understand mm-hmm, the cause. Mm-hmm. But he told her, baby, but you're only one woman. I want to be with you, only one woman. They're not going to change nothing just because of you. And then she, her ground is like, yeah, I'm one woman, but I, I'm going to boycott the shit to the end until it gets changed. So, I mean, my, I, I'm torn because yeah. I feel that. Like, thank you, girl. If it wasn't for people like you who could get married but decided to stand against the crowd, you know what I'm saying, and go against the grain, we wouldn't be getting married t- today. But don't punish this man who's been through <laughs> hell and back for your ass. You know what I'm saying? Like, he dumped his own girl. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? After you, you know what I'm saying? You couldn't be with him. He dumped his chick <laughs> For real? to come back to you. And then he went and spent thousands of that hope. You know, he, he a cop. He ain't making no bread. He ain't making no <laughs> right. money. He spent his entire pension, his retired little money, retirement money, to get a ring for you. Because you would have had a pawn shop ring for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You would have yeah. got a pawn shop ring for me. Yeah. But he went to Cartier and got you that red and gold box. And then you sit up here and say, and it ain't about the money. But it is about the money. Y'all know <laughs> females don't play me. Don't play me. I am a very rare exception. I care nothing about jewelry. You can give me a $5 ring. Girl, I do not care about jewelry. Stop playing. If they didn't No, I'm not playing. I don't care about jewelry at all. You say I don't even wear jewelry. Facts. I don't care either because I don't wear any either. Like, my ears are pierced. I don't wear any. I don't have no necklace, no no, no rings, no bracelets. Yeah. No but, um... He just being punished. I don't think it's fair. <laughs> I just, I didn't like that shit. I was mad. Yeah. And I like Carl. Yeah, I know. I respect and appreciate Debbie standing in solidarity with the queer community, but I also wanted Carl to get to have his wish of being married to yeah. Debbie. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. And I don't think Carl is from a world that, a world of alternate arrangements and alternate relationships, or that's not what he envisioned for himself right, or for right. him and Debbie. But I love that he's learned to respect and accommodate what's important to her because she he stands asked, firm. Okay, where does that leave us? And Debbie proposes that they live together in sin. And Carl thinks they're a little too old for that. It's a little too old to be shacking. Shacking up. Yeah. yeah. But young Deborah is going to prove otherwise. And yeah, so at the end of the day, 
he wants to be with her and to build a life with her no and to what. enjoy her and mm-hmm. her company and their relationship. And because because he loves her in this relation, this arrangement will still allow them to be able to do that. Then he's like, OK, you can fight for your cause, fight this mission. I'll support you in that. But we still get to what we ultimately wanted out of a marriage. We, we can yeah. still have uh-huh. that. Yeah. Like, it's not like I do at the altar. It's not legal, a legal contract or anything, but. Yeah. I'll still get to enjoy you. I'll still get my cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know? And so it goes into, and we'll talk more about this later because this episode is going to be a million hours long, <laughs> but it it goes into like, what does it really mean to be married? Yeah. You know, like what is really, is it just this legal document or what does it really mean to be married? Is it just what we want out of this relationship and the terms we want to set and the commitment we want to make to each other? Because if so, that can look a million different ways. True, because you know my stance on it. Yeah. I remember on my birthday, Brad asking me, and, and and at the time, I still feel the same way. I said no, you know, and it's not because I, I don't love him right. and I want to deny Brad or anything, but my thing is, it's not broken, let's don't fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, we have something good here. I already feel like we are married. From the moment we've met, we have spent every day together, mm-hmm. like every day. We were little lesbians. We, you know, we moved quick. How <laughs> were you hauling? Yeah, you hauling. Like, I mean, it was crazy. So I already felt that. I didn't need I didn't need a ring, and I didn't need a piece of paper telling me that I love you. The only thing that I, I, I hate is that if something happens to him, right. and, I, and I'm not, you know, a part of his last name or his last name is mine or, or, or his last name is mine, that I want— we, already, we witnessed that with, in season one with the baby. Mm-hmm. I won't be able to get first reign. I'll have to go to his family. But thank God that his family knows that I'm the go-to. I'm closer to him than they will ever be mm-hmm. in this life. That's the only downfall I feel like I have. But to me, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like little Brian and him. Like, I don't need a paper. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to be married to say I love you. I don't need to be married to show you unconditional love. Because uh, the commitment can be just the yeah, same it without is. having the legal exactly. document attached to it. And then and when Brian said that and when Justin said it tonight, we're together because we choose to be, not because we have to be. That, like, just slapped me in the face. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, why can I have thought of that? Yeah. Like, I mean, because that's exactly, I don't articulate my own thoughts properly when I'm when I'm when I'm trying to talk about me, but those words were perfect. Yeah, like those are perfect. I feel with that. So I'm not against marriage. It's no, just not me for me. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's just it wasn't for me. Maybe it will be. I would only get married just because of Brad's health reasons. N- not saying that he's going through something, but for in the future, if anything happened, I want to be able to be there with my man. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do it because oh, I, I just no, it's not broke. I mean, ups and downs, but we have, you know, no, no, I don't need it. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, back at the hospital, Melanie is nursing the new baby and Lindsay is there watching them bond. And as Lindsay is talking to the baby, she's telling her that you have no idea what your mommy went through to get you and how much she wanted you. And it's sweet, but it almost sounds like she's bowing out. Like, maybe not, but I don't know. Melanie says... The they have the most beautiful children that God created, and Lindsay won't argue with that. Melanie says that's nice for a change. And Shots fired. Here we go. But Shots Melanie's fired. like, oh, I didn't mean it. But she has gotten so used to shooting shots, she doesn't even realize when she's got she her shoot, finger baby. on the trigger. And baby, you trigger yeah. happy, okay? She trigger happy. Yeah, a nurse comes in to take the baby and leaves Melanie and Lindsay alone in the room together. And Lindsay uh, says that she contacted the the center's childcare service and they have a list of women who can come and help her and Dusty will be on standby and Melanie's like, okay, well, what about you? So 
you're really going then. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay says, "Isn't that's what we agreed to, isn't it? And I feel like that was Melanie's window. It was. That was Melanie's window. Like, I mean, because Melanie is almost like a Brian. She's not going to just come out flat out and ask you. Yeah. Because it's, it's Lindsay's job to fight. You you ruined this. You broke this up. The way that Melanie had to fight for Lindsay to get back, it's your turn. I know she said she's been trying, but we didn't get to see that shit. Like, yeah. I, I, I just saw you sitting there. Yeah. I didn't see you fighting to get back. So that was her saying, like, as, as much as she could, I really don't I really don't want this. You know, like, I, I mean, I know I said that thing. I know I said what I said. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, boo, we don't have to do this. Like, there's still room for us to work this out. Yeah. I feel like when Lindsay said, hey, that's what we agreed to, I feel like that's when Mel could have said, I know we said that, but here's her what eyes. I, her eyes. Really uh uh-uh, uh, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Her eyes told the story. And Lindsay, with all the years y'all been together, you should have known her looks. Brad can give me a look and I'll know, like, ooh, shut the hell up. Yeah. Brad can give me a look, like, okay, that's a girl. I can do that. You know, Lindsay knows that look. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all having a good time. She don't want you to go. Like, I mean, you already know she doesn't. She's already, I mean, she was going through a lot. She prayed and she got all the emotions. Mm-hmm. People say, I'll say a lot of crazy shit. And I don't mean it. Like, yeah. I'll say the craziest shit. And I'll be surprised when I get home and Brad's still there. Like, hey, you do love me. Okay. <laughs> but this girl really finna leave. Like, she just, ha- girl, she just popped the baby out. You yeah. talking about you finna leave. Like, I know. She still got the hospital stench on her. <laughs> for real. Like, <laughs> You're gonna leave already. already. Like, Lindsay, cut, Lindsay wants to go. I kind of feel... Okay, let's walk through some things. So, Lindsay did make the decision to move on. She couldn't be Melanie's punching bag forever, and she was done feeling guilty, and things were getting toxic. I mean, no doubt about that. Things were getting very toxic between the two of them. So, she decided this was the best for her, for Melanie, and for Gus and the new baby. Right. I just want to know, what was the... like? How long has it been since she cheated? Yeah, okay. That's what I need yeah. to know. Yeah, okay. Uh, so... We said before that we didn't think Melanie was ready to move on, but she also wasn't ready to forgive Lindsay. Like, she was getting mean and intentionally hurtful, maybe as a form of retaliation and punishment. Mm. But, (laughs) you know, I was messaging someone, and she kind of worded it like this. In a way, they're, in a way, not in all ways, but in a way, they are both wrong and right. Yeah. Like, Lindsay might be expecting too much too soon, but when it all hit the fans, she told Melanie, like, hey, but I choose you. Which, I gotta be honest, if you're telling me fresh up out the bed, or in her case, off the wall with someone else, uh-huh. that ain't, that's not gonna mean a lot to me. Girl, no, you did not. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And then, that's, that's just not gonna mean a whole lot to me. And then <laughs> Melanie has every right to be hurt, but keeping Lindsay in limbo and being passive aggressive or just aggressive aggressive, she's making the situation unbearable. And, you know, to be honest, I don't really break even on this one. Like, I can see both sides. I mean, but I don't really break even on the, it's not a no, like, but it's not a like 90 10 percent. I don't break thing, even, but, but I still lean toward Mel. I still <laughs> lean, like, I, I'm, I'm swaying. You know, yeah. like I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm side eyeing on Lindsay, and I've always given Lindsay the side eye. You know what I'm saying? I always thought she wanted to throw yeah. that thing on Brian anyway. <laughs> she do want to so, throw that thing on Brian. So I'm sorry. <laughs> he don't want to catch no, it. He, he ain't gonna catch it, girl. He, <laughs> he gonna, don't want to catch it. He gonna be playing dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> Leaning back in that Matrix lean, okay? Yeah. But he doing anything to miss that? Bullshit, yeah. you not. 
But I mean, yes, your friend was right who you were emailing. I mean, they both were in the wrong. But at the same time, you have to give Mel that. She can be a bitch. She she earned that right. I am pregnant carrying your child. I am big. I'm not going to say the F word. I can't work the things that make me feel successful and yeah. sexy. I can't do that. Matter of fact, the doctor has tricked me to a bed. Right. No, yeah. she has the right to be angry. None of y'all could date me then. Because if you do that to me, I, if I decide to stay, I mean, you probably going to be cussed out every day. <laughs> I mean, it's a given. It's, and then, then what, what the true. fuck you, you want to eat? You ain't you know even exaggerating. Nah. That's so true. It's you experience me and Brad. We like, a, we for real. We like, we've been together like 70 years. We fight every day, but it's on some love type shit. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, for real, like, no, it's a given. Like, you know, the yeah. smallest thing for me. I yeah. mean, for real, but nah. Yeah. You, you know, because part of me is definitely like, dang, Lindsay, like, you just going to leave right now like this? Yeah. But, you know, so. I noticed that Lindsay was back in brown for most of this scene until she packed up to leave and then she put that black coat back Girl, on. Like, nah, like, it's over. Even that last this. scene, the eyes were saying, don't go. Yeah. Don't go. But the pride but, but in the Melanie. the pride, yeah. Yeah, the pride And so it's like, would I rather choose to win this argument and this fight or choose to have my wife's heart? And she wanted to win the fight and the argument. Okay, well... Oh, it just irritates me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Well, we see Tannis and Phillips standing in front of Liberty House. The Liberty Ride raised $432,000. through. That is so great. And the Liberty House has been renamed Vic Grossi House. Oh, my God. And that's a shock to all of them. And it reduces Debbie to tears. Was well, a, a shock to all of them but one. And I think Justin picked up on it immediately. Yeah. He looks over at Brian like, I he know did. you did that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he did. Like, I mean, for one, out of the 400000 Brian brought a hundred to it, mm-hmm. to the game, okay? Mm-hmm. And you know, like with the stipulation with when, um, the and charity. And that's the minimum. We don't know yeah. if he had other Exactly. That was just whatever. the one, you yeah. know? So, and did he make a stipulation? How did he get that Corvette? Uh, Yeah, because it was like, I'm going to. He had them, they were going to give him a certain amount. Yeah, exactly. They were going to pay him a certain amount. Yeah, 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 and yeah, they yeah. bought the Corvette. Yeah. So, the same difference. Okay. Uh, I'm going to donate this money. I got $100,000, but we're going to change this name. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm guaranteed he probably started a foundation or something, too. I mean, Norm Brian. Norm Brian. We will never know yeah. all the things that he did we we for won't. this Liberty Ride. We won't. But Justin knew, and Debbie also knows mm-hmm. because and, and, yeah. there is no way that they would even. I mean, yes. Vic was, I mean, a great guy, and he was but known to the community. But Vic never had to stay there. Like, he, yeah. he cared a lot about it. He was had a good Debbie, supporter though. and a volunteer, but he never had to no. stay there. Exactly. So, yeah. so why would they change their name to that? Exactly. So, I mean, like, that's some eye raises, you know? Uh-huh. So, you know who made this mm-hmm. stuff. Rodney is that You have still not forgiven Rodney Girl, for not inviting Debbie to that party. I mean, they wrong for that shit. And Vic only did that shit because of Rodney. No, Rodney's a little ugly. I'm not going to start. It's a peaceful day. <laughs> I'm going to choose peace. I yeah. ate his ass up when we was watching it, but I'm not going to do that for y'all. <laughs> I'm not going to do yeah. that. I'm going to spare his ass. Well, Debbie turns back to see Brian, and he's giving her his real smile, and she is one of two or three people who get to see it. And she knows that Brian got them to do this, to change the name. And Brian shrugs it off, saying that money talks. But this wasn't about the power of money. This was about him finding a way to honor a man who was important to him. And yeah, he uses money talks as the excuse, but it's really to keep them from seeing the big heart that motivated this decision. As Brian is standing alone, propped against a 
poll, there's a little quirk of a smile. And I think it's him knowing that Uncle Vic would be proud. And we know how much the hospice meant to Uncle Vic because he left many of his possessions to to the Mm -hmm. hospice. Yeah. And so as he's standing there, the scene fades into this dance floor. And it's like this kind of post-ride celebration. It looks like Brian's shoulder has healed with remarkable speed. (laughs) And he is uh, at Babylon, and they are doing the most because the Go-Go Boys are naked. (laughs) Bay, my phrase, I'm going to take it from Wendy's, where's the beef? Girl, the beef is in Babylon. (laughs) That was down to his knee. I was like, at first I was like, stop moving so fast because I want to see it. And then he did one turn. And it was dangling. Okay, like... That was the biggest one they never showed us. Like I was like, I'm so, normally I've gotten better over the years because I would have had us rewind it, pause, all of that. I've gotten better. Then Zach O'Toole, bigger than Zach O'Toole. Oh, I mean, well, he was standing up right, and you can see it from the back. I don't know. Okay, maybe not Zach. O'Toole. It's the second largest. Okay, the second largest. If I, if you, if you standing up, and and I see in your ass, but between your thighs, you know what I'm I can see your front. That's some crazy shit. You know, like, so maybe not Zach O'Toole status, but you know what I'm saying? Like, close. His cousin. Okay, yeah. they related. Yeah. Well, Vic shows up, and uh, things start to make a little bit more sense now. It's like, okay, maybe he is not healed overnight. Uh, and I wasn't really expecting to see him again, but it makes sense. Brian wants to know from Uncle Vic if he has atoned for, for his sins, and Vic says that would take an eternity, but he does get an A for effort. And it's kind of this full circle moment. When Brian first saw the vision of Uncle Vic, he was showing Brian a world that he wanted no part of. Like Vic always showed up as the thing Brian feared or that he was running from. He was an old guy at the club, and then he was operating a laser gun that was targeting Brian's jewels. And this time he kind of welcomes Vic as an old friend. There's a genuine smile on his face. And because... This time, Vic is almost like acceptance, like self-acceptance kind of, and aging acceptance, all of that. And Vic initially represented everything that Brian never wanted to be, an old queen. But now Brian realizes he should be so lucky to have have that many years to live, to be what Uncle Vic was and surrounded by the people who loved him. And do you have any thoughts on Uncle Vic? Yeah, that was like the passing over. That was like Vic. He was almost like the ghost of the Christmas past. And he needs to show Brian. He needs to show him all these but different things. present and future, And present and future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he needed to show Brian, like, you could be this. You could be that, you know. Or you have these things to look and forward to. And you're going to. through this right yes. now. But also, here's a life exactly. you can have. So that was like the closure we needed from mm-hmm. Uncle Vic. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a really touching scene. That's why I said, in that moment, I said, now he finally can go. Like yeah. He can let him go and he can finally move on. I loved having Uncle Vic back in this way. And it's very appropriate for him to be the one who is guiding Brian. Mm-hmm. Because it's possibly similar to how he was a real-life guide to Brian in his younger years. Right. Even if he doesn't, didn't look up to him exactly, it was like, here was an older guy who was living in New York, truth. living his truth, living mm-hmm. his life, and enjoying his life. Yeah. yeah. Unapologetically, too. Yeah. Like, doing him. Vic tells him that he agrees with him. He was lucky to get those last four years Mm -hmm. and sure he would have liked more who wouldn't and he tells brian that he's gonna have a lot more than that and brian has this hopeful smile on his face when he asks like hey did god tell you that and he's not being sarcastic now he wants those years Yeah. yeah he really wants them now and he says well no god told judy garland and she told vic 
<laughs> Apparently, Judy and God are tight. And Vic gives Dream Brian a friendly tap on the arm. And real Brian wakes up with a start gripping his shoulder. <laughs> well, Justin hears his owl and comes running over to check on him where he's lying on the floor. Justin lies down next to him and Brian says, he's all right. He'll be all right. He's heard it from the best authority. There's this contrast with them in this scene where Justin is wearing a white shirt. Brian's wearing a dark one. Brian's head is on a white pillow and Justin's on a black pillow. And Brian's way of asking about Hollywood is asking Justin if he hooked up with Tom Cruise or Adrian Brody or Tobey Maguire. Girl, he went through a list, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Justin whispers the name of the co- correct celebrity, which we already know is Connor James, in his ear. And Brian is impressed. It sounds like Justin had a most excellent adventure. Well, Justin cuts off that topic of discussion rather quickly because they haven't talked about the whole job offer uh thing The internship thing. And so he turns the attention to Brian's adventure. And Brian says, you know, uh, bicycling down life's endless highways, he had some time to think about what he'd do differently if he survived cancer and sleeping in a tent, equally unpleasant. (laughs) <laughs> First thing that Brian would do differently is the bedroom there at the loft. He'd get rid of that thing over the bed. <laughs> Justin said he didn't quit. Yeah, it's very 90s. <laughs> like, Justin was all prepared for something serious and important. But after that one, he's like, uh-uh, you got me down here on this floor risking my young back. Uh-uh, I'm not playing your game. <laughs> that part, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, then Brian adds that he'd like to spend more time with his son. He's at an age where he needs a strong masculine influence, especially since he's been raised by lesbians. Like Gus has got to learn about Armani that and part. Gucci Come and through. Prada. I'm here. Like, not just football and engine tuning. Yep. Because that's exactly what Melanie and Lindsay are teaching him. <laughs> now, Lita, maybe. Lita, for sure. Okay. <laughs> thank God she's gone. Because that maybe. I mean, well, not thank God. Because he would have probably would have been a mechanic. You yeah. know? But at least Brian and Justin are going to get him fashionably. You know what I'm saying? Together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Google Translate tells me that in Kenny, this means he wants to be more involved and more present in Gus's life. Right. And if Brian is going to have all these years, he will get to see Gus grow up. And he wants to be a part of that Mm -hmm. and not just a drop-in dad who makes uncredited cameo appearances. Like I don't think he'll figure it out overnight, but he wants to put in the effort to being more present in Gus's life. Well, Justin speaks fluent Kenny so he's heard he heard the first sentence and then he just kind of tuned out (laughs) the rest like he got okay you want to spend more time with your son then he just let the rest Mm -hmm. like whatever and then he asks if there were any more decisions well there was one more and so Brian looks at him and then he looks down quickly to kind of collect himself and then he casually throws out I want you to move back in girl yeah well Justin was only halfway tuned in because Brian's been kind of facetious about all of this And so he's not sure he heard that right. So Brian says it again. I said, I'd like it if you and I were to live together. Well, Justin still needs some clarification. We'll talk about this in a a moment. But he says, like, are you proposing? And Brian says, well, of course not. With the recent and unexpected plethora of gay marriages, (laughs) Brian would hate to add to the glut. (laughs) But Justin didn't immediately respond with a yes. And so Brian's been exposed and vulnerable for longer than he imagined and he goes all practical all this running around between here and Daphne is it's time consuming and inconvenient you know why just last week you forgot your socks and had to borrow a pair of mine mm-hmm. but then he gets serious again and leans in closer to him and looking asks. looking him in the eye 1000% sincere 
As for the times when you're not around, I wouldn't particularly mind it if you were. Translation, I don't want there to be times when no, you're not around. Exactly. Like, this <laughs> yeah. is your home. This is mm-hmm. where you belong. I, I want I you love, here yeah. all the time. Yeah. We have never heard Brian voice something like this. Right. Like, ultimate growth. Yeah. But it goes back to him seeing that vision. Like, we realize what the focus was, mm-hmm. what his focus is. And it's Justin. Like, he's always been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether that, that's the person who gives him purpose. Yeah, it gives him purpose, you know. And so I want to give you prime position in my life. Yes, because we've know? seen Justin fight for Brian. Leave his parents' house to go here. Like, I mean, he would have been homeless just to, <laughs> yeah. get, just to get to Brian, you know. Yeah. We have never won. And then Brian did take him in because Jennifer asked him to take him in, right. you know. And right. we know Brian loves the boy. But for Brian to say... Hey, can you move back in? Like, I mean, Daphne's cool and all, baby. Not I need, just can you, but I want yeah, you I to. I want you over here. I mean, girl, like, tears flow down my face. Yeah. Flow yeah. down my face. Okay. <laughs> Justin has been waiting for Brian to ask him that since the first time Brian brought him to the loft. And that's not an exaggeration. No. Like, Justin was trying to U-Haul him on that first night. For real, for <laughs> yeah. real. I kind of picked up in, on something in Brian's physical response to Justin telling him that he's been waiting for him to ask him to stay. It seems like Brian knows that the majority of their relationship has been Justin waiting for him to catch up. Mm-hmm. And Brian knows that he's often the one trailing behind, either purposefully delaying or denying something or just not quite being there emotionally or not prepared for that level of emotional intimacy. Correct. But Justin always waits for him for the most part. Aside from that one little issue, but Brian proved that he didn't he wasn't ready to give it yet yeah. when the whole Ethan thing happened. But anyway, mm-hmm. and I think he loves and appreciates that about Justin that he that he does wait for him, that he waited for Brian to realize that he loved him when Justin was on to him early in season one. One. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Justin knew what he wanted and he and he got it. Yeah. You know? And he was like, and I know you love me too, but yeah. I'm gonna give you a minute to figure that out on your own. And mature seventeen. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, tangent alert here. This whole thing of waiting for the right time, waiting for your partner to be ready for a next step, waiting for your partner to do whatever they need to do for whatever they reason they need to do it. I like that they made waiting a part of the bones of the relationships and friendships in this show. We see it a lot with Brian and Justin, but with the other couples as well. In the last episode, Ben had to wait for Michael's answer on the proposal. In season two, Ted had to wait for Emmett's feelings to evolve to what his were. Because that's real life, right? Like We aren't always in perfect sync with our friends and our partners. But the ability to and rewards of waiting are shown in this show for the person waiting and for the person they are waiting on tangent over and i realized that probably (laughs) didn't do anything for any of y'all but it did something for me so i had to put that out there anyway brian says what do you say do i make room in my drawers for your drawers with a little fingers through the hair action and justin doesn't know what to say now i hear what some of y'all are saying out there haven't they already lived together and honestly on my first watch i thought they were already living together at this point you were the one who this time pointed out well i already knew it because i'd seen it once but you were like, are they living together or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, okay, so we're both wrong because they have never lived together in the way that Brian is asking now. No. Like, by choice, not not because of circumstance. Well, season two, when he moved in, it's because Jennifer asked him, like, hey, he's going to recover if he's around you. Like, yeah, yeah, well, in so. season one, Brian determined that Justin's home with his parents and Craig's attitude was not going to right. work. 
And before the Deb- that was before the Debbie idea came up and he had nowhere else to go. Then in season two, Justin was only supposed to stay there as part of his recovery mm-hmm. because Brian was the only person he trusted and felt safe around. And, and technically, then, he lives with Daphne right now. But because he moved out with the whole Ethan shit. Yeah, but he's been spending a lot of time with Brian at the loft because of his recovery. Right. And, and like, they're just back together. Like, yeah. when you're with somebody, although you have an apartment, you probably spend no time in your apartment when you're the one that's head over heels, heels. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, in going back to the whole recovery thing, I like that they both helped each other with their recovery. Because as Brian was helping Justin with his recovery in season two, Justin was also helping Brian in a way by helping his, him move past his guilt and that self-inflicted punishment through heavy drinking and heavy mm-hmm. drugging that Brian was doing over Justin being bad. Exactly. Yeah, so they've it's never been by choice. It's always been by circumstance. And so that's what I love about this season is Brian is making choices. choices. I am choosing to have this operation. I am choosing to be imperfect because I am choosing to believe that Justin will still love me, that he will still be there when I get back. Even in my imperfect condition, I am choosing to have him come and live with me. I mean, this is Brian who said the loft is only big enough for one person in season one. And he's really walking out on faith. Like, I mean, he's doing something he has never done before. He's going against everything that we know as Brian Kenny. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and he's making it work just because he's trusting and he knows what he has. And he knows how awesome and wonderful and loving and caring and devoted Justin is, you know, yeah. and I mean, it's it's a safe bet. Like, it's a good bet. Like, they're perfect together. They really are. I mean, yeah. like, Justin would walk a million miles to ensure Brian's safety. He yeah. would have walked from L.A. <laughs> all, all the way. To way. Ron's, that's, yeah. that's how he if was going to search called for him. him yeah, yeah, if they would have called him. He ain't got no car. Yeah. Uh, he would have walked. Yeah. Or, I mean, he would have had Carter, somebody book me a flight and get me in the car. <laughs> get me, I mean, he would have found a way. That yeah. been, that would have been a way. Okay. So just briefly backing up and addressing why Justin asks Brian if he's proposing, and this is just my thinking on it, like that would be what Brian is asking for is outside of their arrangement, and it puts them both behind the same door. Now, sure, there'd still be no real lock on the door because that's Brian saying, like, hey, there are no locks on our doors. Mm-hmm. We can come and go, come or go, whatever. But this is still deliberately putting them as a couple behind yeah. the same door and it would be one of the most quote unquote normal couple things that they've that they've done so far. And so it's about as extreme as Brian asking him to propose. Right. So in my mind, that's where Justin was going with that. Um, because it's Brian asking for a next step, and Brian almost never initiates a next step relationship wise, like sexually, sure. But relationship building in this other way, like, not really. That's usually Justin asking for mm-hmm. that. But here, Brian is the one doing it. And because that is so out of the norm, Justin is like, what exactly are you asking yeah, for Yeah, like, um, I'm lost. I'm confused. Like, yeah. baby, are you well? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at this point, I'm sure he knows that Ben and Michael have gotten married. Yeah. And so that's, yeah. Anyway, speaking of, they are in bed, but Michael can't sleep. He is a sitting up, spinning his ring on his finger, and then he wakes Ben, and he says he can't settle down. There's too much excitement. I mean, the ride, the baby, the wedding, just kind of all of it. And Ben says, can you believe we are really married? And Michael says, well, are we? Are we really? Like, is it still real? And Ben says, of course it is. And then he asks him, but look, even if it was only real for a day, was it worth it? And Michael says it was so worth it. And Ben tells him it won't be long before it happens here in the U.S. 
And they're part of the beginning, like these people saying, hey, we want this thing. We should be we we should have this right. We should be entitled to this. There was a large swell of that for many, many years before that. But definitely at this point. In the early 2000s. Now moving to 2000, it was getting hot yeah, and heavy. Like you a, had to respond now. Yeah, we were in George Bush's America yeah. at that point. And uh, yeah, so that was, there was a swell of that growing. And then we see them uh, celebrating their wedding night. Uh-huh. <laughs> I I really like seeing their rings in this scene because I know that marriage isn't for everyone, myself included. But I believe in marriage. I and do too. I it think it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, Let me just say, before you go on, I'm glad you said that because it sounds like I contradicted myself when I was like, Carl and and Debbie, it's not for me. Like, I want it. I love it for everyone else. I love who wants to go for it. Yeah, wants to go for it. I think it can be so beautiful. Exactly. It's just not for me. Right. Go ahead, babe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, as this is happening, Somewhere Over the Rainbow should be playing. Come on, Judy. Yeah. Well, no, it's a a whole different version Mm. of it. And of all the compositions of this song, I kind of wondered why they chose this one. But to settle my little mind, (laughs) I decided that it's because it's a celebratory version of it. Like other versions of that song make me get all teary eyed. But there are no tears here. And this one has this surging beat that propels you forward into the next thing or into the other side of the rainbow. I think that was the whole symbolic thing about the journey of the Liberty Ride and moving forward like you cross one finish line and end up at the starting line of the next journey exactly and it was a beautiful way to end this season it was yeah again this this finale here was perfect Mm -hmm. like i literally left here fulfilled i mean i feel like they died at every eye minus the melanie and Lindsay shit because i'm I'm still down to see what's going on with them yeah but normally it's something heavy yeah you know it wasn't i feel like they kind of wrapped everything up yeah and so we've got questions but yeah. these are like good questions good questions like you're excited to see what's going on when the start of the, the other seasons i was like oh Lord, what drama's gonna pop off but this time i'm like it, like you said it gives you good questions it was a good finale it was light but but i don't know still meaty you know yeah like, it was just substance. i don't even have the words for it to describe like, it yeah to me like others may disagree but i feel like even with all that was packed in this season it it flowed well you it know did. And, and it tied up very I well. I just really, really love season four. Like so much growth, so much character development, a lot of change, a lot of exposing weaknesses. Yep. And everyone got a journey. Everyone got a ride to go no, on. Seriously. And they touched on so many issues and topics this season. Like I, I loved it. Yeah. Again, we they give us and, and this one was really short. I can understand season two and one and two with the twenty something episodes, how we had so many twists and turns. I mean, just to think that we had the pink posse in this in this I season. Know. You know what I'm saying? And then uh-huh. how we end it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like the same season like, right. at all. It Crazy. doesn't. I know. Like, in, in Losing Vic, like, there were so many I things. I never expected that. That happened in this. Before we get into season five, I thought, I need to, like, and we're going to do it. But I need to look back at yeah. where we've come. Since season one, I need to kind of yeah. look back. No, we definitely, we need like a, a, an overview of, of all, of everything that we've covered so far. Because, yeah. I mean, like you said, this season was, re- we have always talked about growth. We've always seen character growth each season. But this one, like, it was in our face. You could actually see it. You heard them. You heard them articulate it. So, I mean, the growth was evident here yeah. it was like so because big. it's always been about boys becoming men and girls becoming women and that's been happening all along but we 
definitely got to see that in season four. Yeah, season four, it, it did its thing, for sure. Yeah. I mean, season three still goes down to one of my favorite little seasons. Yeah. But, I mean, season four was, was <laughs> there great. There are things that I love about every single season. Oh, I love every season. Yeah. No, no, wrong, I but know you, you're you, saying but, that yeah. too, yeah. But, I mean. But this one was so yeah, good. Yeah, this one, this one right here was like, wow. Yeah. I mean, well, actually, you know, this might have to go because I got Drew Boy. I don't know. <laughs> This may go down as the favorite. Like, yeah. uh, it just may. I got Drew in It depends in on the, the day, the minute, or the hour, you ask me, which yeah, one's my favorite. For real. Yeah. For real, for real. Well, guys, we're dying to hear your thoughts on season four. Like, what did y'all think? How how was the roller coaster ride for y'all? Because, like we said, we started off one, and then we ended on another level, and we have all this growth. What do you guys think? We want to hear your thoughts. You know how to hit us. Let's keep it interactive. And, um, you know, just give us your all opinions. You know, we all have our opinions, so... It's only right that we share them with our <laughs> friends here at the diner, okay? Yeah. So um, you have anything in closing love? As you guys know, you can always email us at libertydinerdish at gmail.com. Another way to support what we're doing and be a part of what we're doing is to find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash libertydinerdish. And other than that, thank you guys for being on this season four journey with us. It's been amazing. Absolutely. We cannot wait to get into season five, but we are going to, like we said, take a couple weeks to just kind of yeah, just regroup. regroup. Yeah. yeah, before we get into season five. But you'll still be hearing from us every week, so Absolutely, don't worry. absolutely. Yeah. You will definitely be hearing from us for sure. But we, like she said, we're going to take our time, you yeah. know, gather and make sure that we do this final season right. We have to bring the bells and whistles for this one for sure. Thank but you it, for all the love and support thus far. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. I mean, and we read every single comment. So don't think that we don't. We yeah. do. And we love it, guys. I mean, we really wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the love and support for you guys. So, I mean, big ups to y'all as well. And thank you for supporting us. Well, guys, that look like this is a wrap for season four. I mean, it's been a good ride. So um, until next time, guys, you know what? We are out of here. Bye. Bye.